Are you available? I need you to handle something for me now. I'm currently in a meeting with the International Advisory Committee with limited phone call and also experiencing some difficulties at the moment. Just reply if you are available. Oh, I'm available. I'm available. Um, what can I what can I do to help? I want you to visit a store nearby for me. I need a couple of gift cards right now, which I need to send to the Industry Advisory Committee. Let me know okay. if you can handle that for me so I can tell you the type of gift cards and amounts on each. I can I can definitely <laughs> I can definitely do this. Um yeah, absolutely. What kind of gift cards? <laughs> um give me all the gift cards. All the gift cards. All the, all the gift cards belong to us. Uh, uh. Oh, so um, that's funny to about three people. Um, uh, no, four people: you, me, four. Linda, and Michelle. Um, so yes. this is this is the public service part of the podcast. Um, if you get a message, if you get an email message from your department chair that sounds like what I just read to Ben, um, it's a scam. Um, and it's a pretty clever scam. So it's sort of the appeal. It's a spear phishing appeal to authority um, where like you get a message from your department chair who's apparently in a tight spot and needs your help. Um, and the way that you're going to help your department chair is you're going to go to a store and buy some gift cards. Uh, and then uh, I, I, and what I don't get is the the la- the second part of the scam, which which we're not privy to, which is where the person then gives the scammer who's posing to be a department chair the information needing to allow them to extract money from those gift cards. I wonder if it's, if it's a, um, okay, now scratch the, you know, the security foil Mm -hmm. off the back and give me the pin because we're just going to do this electronically and then, and then it's done, right? Like, yeah, 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 I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's what it is. But I mean, at some point, I'm thinking the person is going to be a little suspicious. Like, you know, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It's uh, the, the whole thing. I mean, I feel, I, f- I feel bad for the poor person that, that got took for $1,500. Um, apparently, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, um, wow. That's, uh, you know, that's, it's a good, it's a good scam. Um, but it's also one that, you know, nobody should fall for. Right. Um, right, right. Because well, it, you know, the, the return address, it's just a spoofed email address. It looks like it's coming from this person, but it's actually coming from a different person. Um, yeah. So I, I got one of these, it didn't get as far as, um, the the gift cards but i did get the the first part of this from from like you know address from my department head uh but her gmail address not like her nc state one and and so it was like so i just texted her and i was like are are you really sending me things from your gmail address and she's like no um but yeah so that was my like my thing and so yeah it was urgently needed um, and it says available question mark department head professor <laughs> from her, but from her, her Gmail address. But, but so, it, was it, was it really from her Gmail address or was it a spoofed address? Because if you reply to her G, I mean, unless maybe somebody has hacked her Gmail, right? Yeah. Let me look. It, I mean, it says, so I don't know. So what, I, maybe it's not actually her Gmail address. It is her, it's probably not. It's probably a fake Gmail address that has her, like, um, her name and right, her NC right. state, yeah. like designation, like her, yeah. her ID. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause anybody so, yeah, can yeah. make a, a Gmail address. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That's, that's what it is. But it was, but it was weird. Like, yeah. So, so when I said, is this from you? And she's like, no, 
uh, uh, not at all. But that, and that was back. But it didn't. We didn't get into uh, gift cards. I'm, I was. I'm too. I'm kind of upset about that. And then there was another one of these that went around a while ago. That was like, wire me money. I'm at a conference, and my my university credit card has been um, uh, compromised, and so I'm stuck. I'm stuck in Vienna. Can you wire me money at this? You know, at this bank. Which, which I also would not like. I love my colleagues and my department head. I don't think I would wire her a bunch. Oh, well, maybe I would. I mean, if I could confirm it was her. Yeah. But I think, but I don't think I, I think that would be a very odd request for her, for anybody to say, hey, can you wire me some money? I'm in Vienna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whether she's in Vienna or not. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. Uh, so, oh, I, one more public service announcement. Um, uh, which, and again, I apologize if, if people are upset with us sharing this information, but, um, uh, today I, I was going in onto the IAFP website, um, to confirm some times for some talks and mm-hmm. there seems to be a, ma- there was a major glitch in, um, every, in, in most of the sessions that were, everything was offset by half an hour from what oh. it sh- or 15 minutes from what it should be. Um, but I, I, I confirmed it and then, uh, I called, I called headquarters, <laughs> I called Call- the mothership asked to speak to David. He was out to lunch. I said, well, can I talk to Lisa? And then Lisa, bam, she was right on it. So fixed. hopefully it'll all be fixed by the time anybody hears this message. So now it was on the website or on the app. Cause both. I want to talk to, both. Oh, on the, on the both. Yeah. On the both. So what it is, is they had put in before each of the sessions, they had slotted in something called introduction and the time for introduction was like starting at the starting time and ending at the starting time. Right. But then the uh-huh. next session was offset as if it had been the full length. So, and, and what it is, is that the app and the website both pull from another database and gotcha. something was, was messed up in, in the way the poll was coming from the database. So, but anyway, so Lisa was uh-huh. on it. Of course she was. Well, do you think David was eating scallops? <laughs> See, do you think Des Moines is known for its scallops? Call back I heard that like on a podcast. Three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it episode yeah. three? Well, I don't know. Oh, it was a long time okay. ago. It's before the the you know the twenty five that that exists on uh, iTunes. It's probably on the website somewhere. Um, uh, and and for those of you who don't know, um, you would not think that that Des Moines is known for its scallops, but both Don and I can confirm for uh, mo- multiple trips to to Des Moines at different times of the year, uh, not with each other, uh, where we've both had scallops and they're fantastic. And do you say scallops or scallops? Scallops, scallops, right? Scallops. But you say- it's scallop, scallop potatoes. Yeah, of course. But scallops, but, yeah. But scallops. It's it's scallop potatoes and scallops. Um, <laughs> but uh, but what about what potato, about potato potato potato? It's pasta for you, right? It's, you would never say pasta. Pasta sounds like a Canadian. If I say it that. is, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Oh, but now which? How do you pronounce the word data? Uh, data. Okay. Uh, and, and, and what about and what about what about that the royal? I don't know. Just, <laughs> that you, okay. you pronounce it correctly. Um, okay. uh, how about the word P R O C E C E S S? Uh, okay. So I, (laughs) (laughs) welcome to word talk, word word safety talk. Um, so this used to be process, uh, process, right. But now it's process Process. because I've lived here for, for but that's a Canadian thing as well. It is. It is a Canadian thing. Do you know, we have, um, you know, we have, we have pencil crayons in Canada. (laughs) Sure you do. (laughs) It's cute, right? Sure you do. Little pencil crayons. Little little cute pencil crayons. Crayon Uh, pencils, all the, all the great pencils. 
Yeah, not we don't we don't have colored pencils. We have, okay, we have pencil cram. Pens. Oh, oh, that's okay. I was wondering what they were, but yes, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Colored pencils, crayon pencils. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. That, that's a you know, that's yeah, that's that's that makes sense. Well, now when you send a kid to school and 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 with his <laughs> his pencil crayons, and you told him his whole life that they're called pencil crayons, and then he goes and finds out that they're called colored pencils, um, and his classmates and teacher laugh at him, uh, it could be uh, uh, traumatic. Oh for, yeah. For a six-year-old, uh, so I've heard. So I've heard about. Oh no, I'm, I'm, absolutely no. Those those things are uh, because the, the yeah that, those things. I I remember there was a story that my, a grade school teacher told to me, um, told to the class about something like this, and it was it had to do with the name the name for gym class, like whether you call it gym or whether you call it PE, and then right, something yeah. having to do with the, the shoes that you wear, whether you call them sneakers or something else. And, and, and I, yeah, I always think about that story because it, th- these things are traumatic for kids. And so, yeah, you should, it's, you know, things are called things. And uh, if you call them different things, people, uh, people get confused. Yeah. People, people get confused and they get, they get upset they get, even. Yeah. They get upset about it and then someone laughs and then, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, that we deal with in my, in my house sometimes, uh, cause of us, cause of the things that we do. Yeah. Well, um, and did they, did your kids make fun of you for how you, you and your wife for how you talk? Oh, all the time. And so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, they're the ones that talk funny, right? Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And now, do they, do they have like Southern accents? Uh, they, they do not. And I mean, we live in a, in a part of, uh, of North Carolina where, Although we are most definitely in the South, the the accents because there are so many people moving from all throughout the U.S., it's not a really discernible accent. Um, and even for people that grew up here, um, they you know would go go like uh, 25, 30 miles outside of Raleigh. Now we have an accent, right? Um, but but yeah, here in here in the city, uh, not so much. Hey, I have a question for you. I have an audio sure. question. For sure. You. Do you hear like a fan at all? Um. Uh, there, well, there's a fan on in my room. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's, where I am. Is it cooling you down? Is it? It <laughs> is. It's nice. Guess. So that's not the fan that I hear, but there's a fan here, uh, like my my air conditioning, and I just want to make sure it wasn't like uh, Darth Vader, like. Oh no, no, and and yeah, and I, I mean, and and I can, and obviously you can't hear my fan either, so no. it's, it it makes the room a little bit more comfortable. And and honestly, if you if you tune into this show because of the audio quality, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to tune into don't this do, show. Yeah. The pristine audio quality is not one of them. Not I mean, it. we don't we don't uh, we don't record uh, what they call a double ender. Um, we don't. <laughs> edit out the ums and the ahs and the pops um no. so you know you're so you're here you're, you're here for you're here for the crayon pencil scallop talk yeah um and do you, a little bit of foley that, here. that yeah. i hear that i hear wait i got some ice too here oh, good good i uh for for listeners um you know don and i uh, like to text back and forth uh things time things this so uh just to let everybody in on something we genuinely like each other uh don, <laughs> well, as far as you know <laughs> as far as i know as far as i've never been i've never really gotten the sense that you don't like me um so we're we're very friendly uh not not even talking to each other but but texting and um and so i i texted don uh, a picture it's it's um for for opsec reasons i think it's fine um it's it's Wednesday, July 3rd uh, <laughs> at 3.15 now. But I did text him uh, about 10 minutes before the show um, a picture of me. Uh, uh, a, it wasn't me of me pouring a bourbon. It is a bourbon had been poured um, with the caption holiday party. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on vacation, uh, and, I, and I decided uh, today I'm going to drink some bourbon while we, while we do the show. Um, and it's, uh, and, and I, there, there are a couple of reasons for this. 
One is um, I, I look to you and, uh, and friend of the show and our friend uh, Renee Boyer uh, of being the people that introduced me to bourbon in the first place ever, ever, ever. Um, I had never, I really had not had, had tried it, uh, before the two of you. And it was at an IAFP, uh, fundraiser that you organized, um, the year that you were, you were president that I had tried a bunch of bourbon and I, turns out I liked it. Um, and, uh, and have continued to, to drink it as a, uh, as a wind down drink of choice. Um, nice. and yeah. And, and, but number two is in, in three weeks, um, you and I are going to go to to Louisville, Kentucky, like center of the bourbon universe. And so I wanted to like, I, we, every year we do two things. We, and, and this is the, you didn't even know that this is what we were going to talk about on the show, but this is what happens. I, you surprised me last time. So I'm going to surprise <laughs> you. Um, we, we have a, a, you know, a little bit of time where we talk to listeners about our IAFP conference tips and, you know, whatever, right? Like these are the things that we do. Um, so we're going to do that today because, because even though we've done it in the past, there's new listeners that they're not going to go back and listen. They're not listening. They're not double ending it. Um, and, uh, and, and so that that happens every year. And then the other thing that we do every year is we record a, a podcast at IAFP. And I will promise you that, um, that there will be uh, red solo cups uh, and bourbon uh, when we record at IAFP this year. Whoa. I promise. I Whoa, promise you that. That's cool. I, I promise you. That's and so for very the, cool. So whoever wants to come, um, and uh, while while Don and I talk a little bit, I'll I'll, I'll dig up the details because uh, um, friend of the show David Tharp gave us a a room to uh, to record in, and, and we we always open this up to um, to anybody who wants to to come listen, ask questions. Uh, we'll figure out the recording process, all that good stuff. But uh, I just want to uh, yeah let everybody know that uh, I'll bring some bourbon as well. Yeah, so, and so no, no cup needed. I'll bring cups. Bringing cups and bourbon. There you go. Um, so the the recording is going to be Wednesday, July twenty fourth. Um, the room number is L zero two eight. But we have not Ben and I, you and I, set a time. Correct. Correct. I think um, I'm gonna. Uh, what what do you got going on that day? Uh, uh, I, minutes. I have uh, I have tech. Oh, sorry. Other than the fifteen minute shift in the in the time frame uh, on the. Uh, uh, on the website, right? On the so, IF. so I have a uh, technical session that one of my students is speaking at um, right around noon. Uh, I've got some more technical sessions that my students are speaking at. Um, How can uh, you have a? You can't have a technical session at noon. That's got to be on the. Well, that that right? must that must be a, a time shift a problem. Um, uh, eleven, sorry, eleven eleven thirty to eleven forty five. So okay. Yeah, it's just it's just just, t- just touching the noon time almost. Um, so, I would say, well, <laughs> here's the thing: since there's bourbon, yeah, let me suggest that we not do it in the morning. Wow, um, boo, boo, but okay, but okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, and we could do it. Um, well, if we do it, if we do it, and we need the problem is we need to get lunch. So, uh, you want to say twelve thirty? Let's say twelve thirty. Let's do that. Yep. 1230 Louisville time, which I think is uh, Eastern Daylight Time. It is. It, I checked that today when I was f- fiddling with the time uh, shifting uh, problem. And we'll be, uh, it'll be 1230, 1230. Uh, what was the room again, Don? The room is uh, L028. L028. Um, yeah. All right. So there you go. So come and I, I promise you that there will be bourbon. Uh, but but bring, your, bring your own lunch. <laughs> Bring your own lunch. Bring your own lunch. I will. I, I, cups, cups provided. 
Uh, yeah. So, um, oh, there's a, there was a pop there, I'm sure. Um, so, so one, of the, one of the things before we get into listener feedback and some other stuff that, that I want to talk about, um, I want to, I want to run down our, our annual, uh, maybe things have changed I'm, I haven't gone back to review our, our previous tips, but I was talking to, um, over the last year, um, I've served as a IAFP student PDG mentor, as as have you, I, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I um, last week uh, I talked to my my mentee um, a little bit about like uh, what I try to do and what I try to get out of um, IAFP. And so I wanted to I want to share some of those those things uh, with our listeners as, as I guess a, a reminder and then uh, and then ask you for your for your tips and so we're gonna do we're gonna do a, uh, I don't know like a round robin uh, quick fire here quick fire sounds, round sounds good all right so my number one number one tip is um, go to stuff in the um, uh, technical sessions that I might not be doing research on or doing extension around, but I've heard the tech, the, you know, the, the terms and I'm not super familiar with it. Go to those sessions to learn more about those sessions, more, more about that, that thing. And I've done this in the past. I'll, I'll tell you as, as an example, um, the process of whole genome sequencing, um, maybe four or five years ago, um, as things blew up in outbreak investigations, I know what a whole genome is. I know kind of what sequencing is. Um, and I didn't know exactly how it was being used in, in public health and went to a session that was focused on whole genome sequencing in outbreak investigations. And it was, and it was awesome. And I learned a lot about it and, and it was something that I hadn't been, uh, you know, it, I wasn't reading a lot of, but it, it gave me enough information to, to know what I should look at next. So that was, that's my tip. That's my tip. Number one. What do you got? What's yours? Cool. Well, one tip that I was going to offer, and I thought, I thought I did a webinar on this, but maybe it wasn't. I did a presentation, um, to the student PDG during lunch about networking at the meeting and best practices for, uh, for networking. But it looks like I can't, I can't find, I'm, I'm certain I did it as a webinar, but, but it's not showing up in the webinar list. So, uh, my tip is that you really, the, the, one of the things that changed the meeting for me was realizing that it was more important to talk to people than to get to sessions. Um, and I, and I especially, this was especially important, um, during the years I was on the board, because people want to talk to you, right? Uh, you know, they perceive you as having some power within the organization or, <laughs> or some leadership capacity. I haven't, yeah, I have I had no. none. Um, but, but I mean, you know, they're my people, right? And, and, and it's like, you want to talk, it's like, you've got a pressing issue. You want to complain about something. You want to praise something. You want to just tell me about something. It's like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm your, I'm your, I'm on, I'm your executive board, right? I'm your, your elected secretary, vice president, president, whatever. Um, and I'm, I'll, I'll listen to you. Um, and I, and and I was sort of coming to that realization before serving on the board, and it's definitely my mo after. It's like I will put stuff on my calendar, but I but I need to differentiate between nice to do and must do. And 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 certainly there are some like I'm setting up some meetings to talk with research collaborators, and there are certain things that are and obviously the talks that I'm giving, I need to like I must be there when I have to give my talk, and it's nice to go to my students' talks if I can. Um, 
But other than that, it's really just about, I, I always like to have a goal, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to go to this session, or I'm going to go try to do this thing. And if I don't get there because I end up talking with someone, well, that's okay. I'm just going to talk with somebody. And that that reduces my reduced my stress level tremendously, and it made the meeting much more enjoyable for me. I like it. I like it. That's a, that's a good one. So you're, you're going in with the plan that it's not, um, not necessary to see everything that's on your list. So don't stress about it. Right. Like exactly. You, you, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have to differentiate between like must go to, um, yeah. versus, uh, yeah, I'd like to go to that, but, but it's okay. I don't have to go to that. I mean, and the yeah. other thing that's great about the meeting is everything is recorded now. Right. So if you miss a talk, don't worry. It's going to be on the website later. And then if it's really important to you, you can sit down and listen to that talk. And you, see this, you won't see the person, but you'll see the slides if it's a slide session. And then you'll hear what they have to say. And, and that's, that's almost as good. It is. And, and I, I want to I put a shout out to, to IAFP um, for doing those recordings. I think the first year um, that they were recorded, I was skeptical that the audio would be good, you know, just like technology wise from old PCs that, and a microphone, I was like, Oh, this won't, this is not going to work very well. It's going to sound terrible. And I have, um, listened to, I, I, I won't say, you know, uh, you know, it's not been a hundred talks, but I've gone back to listen to like maybe 10 talks in the last two or three years that I missed. And, and it was, um, it was similar to, to listening to a podcast, like the audio quality is pretty good. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I agree. Just use that, use that resource, uh, as a way to, to help manage your, um, your anxiety or stress and missing the session. That's a good, that's a good one. All right. I got, I got one that's also related to talking to people and meeting people. Um, and that is, um, and, and this is something that I've shared on the podcast before and, and sort of my formative years, especially as a student, but someone who I think someone who's new to the, the organization in general, um, this is a, 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 a good tip for is that the people that, that do the science that, that do the, do the talks that, um, you're familiar with their work, they're legitimately just real people. <laughs> like, like go, go, go talk to them and, and, and say, you know, maybe say nice things, maybe not, maybe say, you know, you wrote something that I didn't agree with. Um, and that's okay too. But, but just like, um, go, go talk, go talk to people, introduce yourself to them. Um, everybody's wearing name tags for, for the most part and, and use that as your guide, uh, on, on who people might be and, 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 and introduce yourself uh, to somebody. And it's, um, I'm an awkward guy in general. Like there's lots of awkward things that I do. Um, and I, I, I guess I try to, um, get away with those awkward things by, by mentioning how awkward they are when I'm in the middle of it and, and, you know, going up and introducing yourself to someone who you don't know and you know who they are is, is probably awkward. Um, you know, it's awkward for the person who's, who's doing that, that introduction, trying to make that connection. Um, but it, but it's, it's totally cool. There's so much, there's so much awkwardness that, that goes around that they don't feel, don't feel left out. Do, do go introduce yourself to, to people and have a discussion with them and, and treat them, um, uh, you know, like, like real people. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, the one thing that I, I really love about IAFP and, and we've said this before and it's, it's something that, that I think draws us into the, um, to the organization even more is that it really is a family. Like we get to know people, not just by the things that they do professionally, but we get to know about their family and we get to know about their, their likes and, and what they're like. And, and you get to interact with them personally. Um, and, and it, 
it sounds like saying it sounds like, oh, of course we would do that at a at a conference. But I really encourage people to to go and introduce yourself and 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 become you know personable with with real people out there. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not imagining it. I actually did do a webinar in 2012, right. um, and thanks and thanks to thanks to the amazing uh, search capacities of Hootaspot, an app which I will once again plug. Um, uh, you know, I found out that I did give a talk, and and probably the reason why they didn't host it is it was sort of specific to the 2012 meeting. Um, but but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put. Um, I'm going to put the slides on the web, and we'll we'll link to it um, uh, as part of uh, this talk, so uh, or as part of this podcast rather, so you can see you can see the slides. And there's there's a bunch of tips in there. Um, uh, the one that's probably the most important is something that I call the the networking dance. And the way the networking dance is, you look around the room and you see someone that you'd like to meet that's talking to someone you already know. Um, what you do is you walk over and you stand next to the person that you already know. And if the person you already know knows the networking dance, what they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, Ben, do, do you know Joe? You know, And they'll introduce you, and then you can talk to the person that you'd like to meet. And then, and then what you need to do is, because it's all about <clears throat> continuing the dance, is you need to also be able to excuse yourself from conversations with people. Uh, gee, it looks like I need a refill. Excuse me, I see an old friend. I need to say hello. It's been great chatting, but you, if you will excuse me, I need to go. You know, do whatever, right? So, so it's it's about making those those little uh, those little connections. So, like I said, I'll I'll post the uh, the presentation um, uh, on the on the website as part of the podcast. But there's there's some good tips in there, and and I want to also say that as part of this PowerPoint, uh, I do acknowledge um, a number of my uh, friends and colleagues, uh, including you, Mr. Chapman, Dr. Oh, Chapman. Well, there you go. So, thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Chapman, PhD. Um, uh, I, I, I like that one. I like, I like your, um, your tip and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to, I'm going to turn on the upside down and flip it around and say, if you notice someone who's coming to stand next to you and who's looking for that dance partner of trying to make an introduction, be really key uh, in your in your thoughts, and make sure that as you see people around, if you know both people do those introductions, or even if you don't, invite that that individual in, um, and you know don't don't ignore them um, because, like I said, it's awkward for for everybody. So be be super inclusive. I one one spot the and this is more of like a. Um, well, you know, old timer uh, IAFP person, not as not as old timer as you. What 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 number uh, IFPs is this for you? What do you think? What do you got? What do you got? Thirty? What do you got? Twenty? Yeah, Twenty six? It's, it's, something it's, like that. It's it's north of twenty. Um, and but I did not start going as a graduate student. Uh, so I, so and I've been at Rutgers thirty years. So I'd say it's it's close to thirty. I don't know exactly. I think this is my nineteenth, something like nice. that. Nice, because I yeah, I think the first one I went to is two thousand and one. Right. Would that make make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, 18. Yeah. Right. Or whatever it is. Um, so it's been a while. I've been going for a while. And um, the uh, the the old timer knowledge is and this may be too late for people because it's a couple of weeks out from planning. But um, the the opening night reception, the Saturday night reception before the PDGs on Sunday, I think people 
um, some people historically arrive on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon thinking that the Ivan Parkin lecture is really the kickoff, but I don't see it that way at all. I see the opening, like, uh, you know, welcome reception on Saturday night being a really important one to go to because people are arriving. They're all casual. There's lots of people wearing shorts. Someone from Wales probably will look at me and ask if I lost my luggage, um, which <laughs> based on the way I dress and, and I assure you that I, that I have not lost my luggage. It's just, the way that I dress. Um, but, uh, but that, that opening, oh, that opening welcome reception, if you're in town, if you're going to be in Louisville, go to that. Like, don't, don't skip out on that one. It's a nice low key. There's, there's no booths. There's no like, and, and, uh, the sponsorship for the, for the conference, um, is really important and we couldn't have the conference without, without that sponsorship, but there's no pressure to like buy something or sell something. It's really just a, um, a, a good, like, um, a, a good time to, 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 to just jump into the, in, into the meeting. So if you're there, you know, spend, this is my plan for Saturday, Don, I'm going to get in at about noon. I'm going to go, uh, to, to a couple of distilleries. I'm going to drink some bourbon, like the, like what I have here. Um, and, uh, and then I'm going to, to go to the reception, um, and, and make sure that that's the kickoff part for me. Cause I, it's, it's just a, it's a good, it's a good start and go meet people there. Yeah, and I, I will say that you know used to be, but we used to be back in the day we didn't have a welcome reception, right? And I still remember the very first right. year that we did it, um, and it really was the opening session um, was the park and lecture, and it happened after a day of professional development group meetings, and and really. Um, it's much better to arrive on the Saturday and uh, make sure that you get to the welcome reception because of all the reasons that you mentioned. And then you'll be there uh, in Louisville at the start of the day on Sunday so you can go to a bunch of those uh, professional development group meetings, which, as it also says in my in my PowerPoint, is a great way to find like-minded people who are interested in the same things that you are uh, in terms of food safety. So, so for for sure, I'm actually coming in on Friday because I've got um, a meeting uh, in the middle of the day on Saturday, and so again, I want to get there in time so that I can get you know get get myself adjusted to Louisville time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, you've um, got to get over that jet lag. Yeah. But, um, um, but again, I just like to arrive at a conference early, uh, just to, you know, just to get the lay of the land, and and you know, again, then that that also gives you a buffer if you if your flight gets screwed up or your flight or flights get screwed up, and then you can, you know, get a little bit of a buffer there. So yeah, so I'll I'll be I'll be in on 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 Friday, and then uh, definitely be at the welcome reception on Saturday. Oh, awesome! So uh, PDGs is also on my list, right? So you mm-hmm. said go to these so you can find like-minded people. Um, don't get scared or turned off by in those PDGs that there are going to be some strong personalities who are driving. Um, I think a big part of what happens in the PDGs that I go to is what are we going to do next year? Right? Like we just got here and now we're planning on what are, what are the topic areas that we're going to focus on next year? And don't, don't get turned off by that because I, I think coming into that, that can be, um, I, I think a bit intimidating where all these people and and some of the PDGs, you know, I I often go to the food safety education PDG and the retail PDG. Um, and, and the, 
you know, there may be 150 people there. And so it'll take the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes to go through introductions of, so everyone can state their name and where they're from. And then we jump right into something where it looks like a small group of people are making decisions and, and get, you know, jump in, get involved. And if you've, you know, don't, don't be, don't be intimidated by people that seem like they know what they're doing, um, in those, in those sessions, they do know what they're doing, but don't, don't be like, Oh man, I don't have a voice here. I don't have, uh, an opportunity to, to say, Hey, this would be a great thing for us to do, or here's a topic that maybe hasn't been covered in it's emerging and hasn't been covered here at IAFP or, or we, we need to share more information about it. Um, and, and just go ahead and, and, and jump, you know, jump in, but don't feel like you're, uh, all the decisions have been made, I guess, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so I got, so I got some other, I got some other tips. Um, go for it. I, all right. So a uh, little, little known fact, uh, the student PDG has a luncheon and you, you are able to, even today, uh, even if you've already registered, you can go and get a ticket for that luncheon. I think you need to do it, um, within a couple of weeks so they can know, know numbers, but, um, it is not just for students. There, there are a lot of food safety professionals that, that go to the student, uh, PDG. It's a great place to meet, uh, you know, obviously students, I think there are a lot of our colleagues who go to the student PDG to identify students and uh, to invite them to apply for jobs. Um, I think it's you know sometimes a, a great place for that um, for that interaction to happen. Um, the student PDG um, always uh, has an, an, a, um, a, some sort of. Uh, Ed- educational speaker um, or a speaker, and it, usually it's a really good speaker. And I say that because I know you've spoken uh, at it. Uh, but um, but but also there there's a really cool thing that the the, the student group has done over the last. I think this will be the third year that they've done this, which is a uh, three minute thesis competition. And man, is it not an inspiring place to go see someone who can um, do a good job on science communication about a complex topic in a short amount of time, and and see like individuals that really, that really sparkle. I, I have, uh, uh, I almost all the three minute theses that I've seen that I really, really liked. I went to the technical session or dropped by the poster afterwards, um, to, to talk with the student or learn a little bit more about, um, about the topic area. So, so yeah, the, the tip or trick is student PDG is not just for students. So, so, so go to it. Yeah, the, the, yeah, and and there's nothing like if if you're not going to, then you have to get your lunch somewhere else, right? Because, right. Because they they are are, are uh, basically you you buy a ticket to it because they feed you lunch, which is not uh, a day that you would normally be getting lunch at the meeting. And so, yeah, it's 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 not um, uh, for students; it's by the students, and it's for anybody who's interested. So, uh, yeah, highly recommended. I think I'm I think I'm actually going to miss it this year because I've scheduled a no, maybe not. No, no, I've got well, it depends on how long that meeting. So I got another meeting scheduled right before it, but um, hopefully, I think I bought a ticket, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to make it. All right, all right. Well, good. I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. All right. So I only have one more tip. Do you have anything else? No. And I, I can end on mine. Okay. Okay. Um, so the other tip is, and this is a, a, a long-standing offer. I, I would say a, a food safety talk tradition uh, at this point is, um, you know, come come find Don or I. 
yeah. uh, at, at, at any of any of the receptions. Uh, and I would say ex- not exclusively the receptions come find us at, at, at sort of any of the, um, the, the areas, please introduce yourself. If you're, if you're a listener, there's really nothing more humbling and, um, and I guess gratifying for, for me. Um, and Don and I have talked about this. It's, it's cool. We, we do this, um, just cause we like hanging out with each other and talking. Um, it's, it's always amazing when people, um, actually listen to it and, and want to introduce themselves to us and we get into a conversation. Um, please don't hesitate to, to come introduce yourself. If you do it at a reception, I promise you that Don and I will go get you a drink. I promise you. <laughs> we'll buy you I a free you. drink. We'll buy you a free drink. Uh, and that's, and that's right there. That's the food safety talk tradition. Um, but, but no, it's, it, it is, um, you know, as, as we mentioned, we're going to do a live recording of the podcast. Um, if you, if you can't make it to, to some of the other events or if you, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't, uh, come see us, please, please come and, and, uh, see us in person, uh, during the, the live recording. But it, it is, um, I, I really, um, I really value the time that we um, that we spend at conferences, meeting and talking to listeners. Um, and and I know you, it's it, there, it's one of these phenomenons with um, w- with podcasts where you even if it's the first show that you've listened to of, of ours, you you get to know a little bit about us, and we don't get to know almost anything about you uh, unless you email us. And, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're doing a podcast that we listen to. <laughs> unless, you're doing, unless you're doing a podcast that we listen to. Uh, exactly. But, but we really want to, uh, you know, I, I just really want to meet people. I, th- I find it, uh, I find it awesome uh, for us to do that. And, and I'd love to go. Uh, IAFP is, is just a little bit too busy from the food safety nerd summer camp standpoint to like do an actual meetup where we all go somewhere. Um, and and I, I'd love to do that. At, uh, you know, maybe, maybe at some point, but, but at least, come see us. And Don and I, we, we do hang out together. So we're usually like fairly close by in these, uh, in these circles and these, uh, um, in these receptions. And we're, we're happy to do the, um, networking dance and introduce, if I meet you and, uh, and Don's nearby, I'll introduce you to him, uh, as well. But yeah, yeah please, please come see us. Yeah. The only thing I would say is if we're actually up on stage in the middle of giving a talk, that's probably not, that would be a little disruptive if you introduce what? yourself, but any other time, fair enough, um, fair enough. except yeah. for maybe stalking us and walk, you know, coming by our hotel room that's also a little creepy but other <laughs> other than those two exceptions those really two please 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 come say hi yeah 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 we just we i i don't know i just really value meeting our and i and i know you you do too meeting our Absolutely. listeners and, and and we'd love to do that so please don't please especially with us don't hesitate to to come up and meet and, and introduce yourself ah IAFP. There it is. There's the tip. That's what we do um and the tips they evolve every year it's a little bit different um I want to tell you about something that I like that's not a sponsor. <laughs> All right. So I watched a documentary. I watched two things this week because this is what we do. Um, my my kids, both kids are at camp. We have no children in the house, which is the craziest thing. Um, and so drop um, dropped my children off uh, at this camp uh, close to here in Raleigh on uh, Sunday afternoon. Danny and I went and uh, had a couple of drinks with some friends who we were all celebrating not having children at home for a whole week. Um, and then we came home. At like six o'clock at night on Sunday night, and we're like, "What do we? What do we do now?" Like usually, we're like struggling to make someone eat or clean something up or you know do your dishes, whatever. Um, so what we did is we watched um, uh, Chernobyl 
on mm-hmm. HBO. Have you watched? Have you watched this? I know so, you've heard of. Yeah. So my I, at one point I was hearing people talk about it on podcasts, and I, I may have said it on this podcast before, but um, people were talking about it, and I said to my wife, "Hey, um, have you have you heard about the show Chernobyl, and are you interested in watching it?" And she looked at me sheepishly, and she said, "I've already watched the first two episodes." Right. Right. You did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and so, have you gone back to watch? I it? have not watched it yet. No. So, oh, sorry, I had to open the door because the dog wants in. Um, so it is uh, phenomenal. Um, it, we, so we did not set out to do this, but I watched all five episodes, like six and a half hours of Chernobyl in one sitting. Um, it, not only did we binge it, but we binged it from like six until 1am. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's Sunday night. It was really good. Um, I, this is the, the takeaway that I got that's related to food safety is we have outbreaks all the time. If you want to see again, a, uh, not, you know, a real life situation. Um, it's a, it's a movie that, that was called from some transcripts and, and there, you know, I think there's some like fictionalization around individuals and, and, you know, dialogue is, you know, is, is made, you know, made for, for a movie. But if you want to see a situation of, um, really poor crisis management and, um, and, and just, um, thinking about a reputation more than, than managing a situation, uh, from like, I, I thought about it from a, from a risk communication and crisis management standpoint, it's a really great introduction, uh, to that. And, and there are, there are lots of reasons, um, that are, uh, cultural and political on, on why things went the way they did. Um, but it, it put me down on Monday into like a internet, you know, deep dive into, into Chernobyl and, um, and some of the stuff that, that, you know, has been documented, um, on the, on the crisis side of things. And there, I mean, there was a ton of stuff that I didn't know about. Um, and this is like Danny and I, as we watched it, it's like, wow, this, this thing happened. Like it, it looked very historical and it felt very historical, but it was like, this happened in our lifetime. Like this was, you know, the 1986 and, and 1987. And I just had no concept of how, how large of a situation this was. Um, and, and again, I, I've read a little bit on, on the internet. There's some, uh, it, it's not a, uh, th- there are some criticisms of HBO's portrayal of Chernobyl. And so always, you know, in, in these situations, take this as, um, uh, you know, as one point of view and one biased, uh, view of the story, but it's a, but it's a, it's a damn good story. Um, to like, and I say that it's a terrible story because of the, because of the, um, illnesses and long-term effects, but it's, it's an excellent, um, story that, that has some crossover into the, into the food safety world. Yeah. The Um, whole crisis management angle is a good one. And I'll also say, I am speaking of podcast and Chernobyl. Um, I am just uh, listening to the latest episode of Reconcilable Differences, which is a show that uh, guest on the pod, uh, guest on our podcast, uh, Merlin Mann, does with John Syracuse. Uh, John, I know John doesn't listen to this podcast, but if anybody can put a bug in John's ear, we I really want to have John as a guest on this podcast. Uh, he's got a lot. He, he has a lot to say about food, um, not so much about food safety, but uh, a lot that, to say about perfect. food. And so I, I would love to. And he, I'm just a huge fan of his work. I've listened to all of the 
episodes of the podcast hypercritical that he did on five by five i i have a hypercritical uh, t-shirt uh I have a, a atp t-shirt because he that's another podcast he does so i'm a john i know you're not listening but i'm a big fan and we'd love to have you on food safety talk so uh the latest episode of reconcilable differences um they uh, they do a thing called the spoiler slot um uh, on their podcast where they talk about um movies and they had a big discussion about what what i, I mean it's a chernobyl is, is a thing that actually happened right so there's not there's not, it's not like you're going to, it's like the reactor, you know, the reactor <laughs> spoils up, right? Yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's yeah. No spo- But, but they did just, they did decide to warn people that they were going to talk about it. So, so anyway, so if you, if you have listened and you want to hear, uh, I, I haven't listened to that part yet. I'm trying to decide if I want to listen or, or watch first, but, uh, just again, if you want to hear two, um, interesting guys talk about an interesting TV show, uh, I would recommend it. And you can, and they give, uh, in the, uh, podcast the page for that episode. Uh, they give the uh, link to uh, the timestamp. So if you want to just skip the podcast and hear what they have to say about Chernobyl, you can you can jump right into one hundred two fourteen um, uh, into the podcast and listen. Um, I do want to talk about something that we've been watching lately, um, which is just I I just literally laugh out loud. Um, it is a show. It's a British TV show, of course, because that's what we oh, watch. Of, co- of um, course, of course, <laughs> it, and it's called Raised by Wolves. Okay. It is a All right. it is a sitcom uh, written by <clears throat> uh, Caitlin Moran and her sister Carolyn Moran, and it and I'm just reading from Wikipedia now. It follows a loose account of the siblings' youth in Wolverhampton, um, but it's transposed to the modern day, and it is just hilarious. It re- it, re- it is reminiscent of Shameless, uh, which is uh, another show that was a British uh, TV show that was remade in the United States. Uh, we'll link to the, the British uh, version about this. Uh, just a, it's a very, it's a black, I mean, the, the Wikipedia page for Shameless calls it a black comedy. It's just about this uh, company that lives in the, uh, what are they, uh, the, they don't call it, the, they call it the, uh, they, they live on an estate in the UK, which is like living in the projects. In the U.S. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's just about their misadventures and 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 raised, raised by wolves is is it's less depressing uh, because I think the family is I don't want to say they're 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 equally dysfunctional but it, it's it, anyway it's it's just absolutely hilarious and and it stars uh, a, a bunch of folks that I don't know um, but then also they have um, Philip Jackson uh, plays the grandfather character and you will recognize him um, if you watched uh, the uh, Poirot uh, he's the uh, inspector uh, uh, Jap from yeah, Victor Jap from Poirot, I believe is the yeah yeah he played in Victor Jap in the in the Poirot series. So, but he but it's a very very different character um, that he plays, and it's it's just it's just it's absolutely delightful. So um, if you like British TV, if you like uh, British sitcoms, um, it's highly highly recommended. I have not seen a show this good in a long time. Excellent. All right, I will check. I will check that out. Um, I have some uh, British content for you. Okay. As well. Because I know I, I know you like uh, you you like uh, <laughs> sullen, uh, dark looking <laughs> people standing on hills. Uh, no, no, so I, I texted you this. Um, I also, and this is with with one of my sons, uh, Sam, who loves loves music. Um, we watched a documentary on uh, Amazon Prime on the uh, Brit pop band Pulp. 
Um, you may be familiar with Pulp, uh, Dawn. They, they sang uh, a couple of songs in the mid-90s that, that were like sort of mega international hits. They hit around the same time as, as Oasis and Blur. They were part of that, that sort of movement. The, my, my, like, probably their most famous song and song that, um, that, that has, is timeless in my house is a song called Common People. And anyway, the, the documentary is delightful. Um, it, it's not just about Pulp. It's not like, oh, here's the history of Pulp and here's how we became a band. It's, it's really about them uh, uh, ending their their career um, and sort of. They, they uh, ceased to play shows and make new music in, in the early 2000s. And then in 2011 and 12, they, they did a short tour um, and their last show in their hometown of Sheffield, England. Um, and the, the documentary is really just about the, the buzz and, and getting ready for that show. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful. It's one of the, the one thing, and, and we we've talked a little bit about this and it's something that Danny and I talk about a bunch. The one thing that I really love about, um, the UK around music is that the, you know, for, for better or for worse, the, the BBC, obviously, um, you know, historically BBC radio one and BBC radio two dominated the, the musical landscape. And especially in the nineties before the, before the internet happened and, and, and well before that. And, and so this, this documentary does a really good job, um, highlighting just the age range and, demographic range of people that like this band. And it's because, you know, if you have one major radio station that does progressive music and and not progressive music, but, uh, that everyone listens to it. And, and just to see this, like, um, you know, this, this band who, who I, I like their songs and knew little, very little about, and it just popped up and I watched this documentary and, and we, Sam and I are like, we couldn't turn it off. Like it was, it's very, it's very compelling. It's just a great, it's great storytelling. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so check it out. Pulp, it's called Pulp, a film about life, death, and supermarkets. Yeah, so I uh, I am not familiar with this band. Obviously, I, I am familiar with Oasis, and I own several of their albums, but this is not a band I'm familiar with. But I like the idea that it's really just about Sheffield, or it's about the band, but it's really about their roots in, in Sheffield. Um, and yeah, it looks it looks looks like a lot of fun. So I've, I've yep. added it, added it to my, and it's on Amazon Prime. I've added it's it to Amazon my watch Prime. list. Yep. All right, cool. Um, that's all I've been doing, though. Those are the two, the literally the only two things I've watched. We, uh, um, yeah. So I, I have nothing. I, I think we can jump into food safety now. All right. Even though we did a little bit of food safety, so we're so we got a bunch of listener feedback. There's a couple things going on. Uh, where where do you want to start? Well, you know, we have uh, we have an insurmountable level of listener feedback. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to get to all of it on this podcast. I, I actually want to start with the most recent stuff. And then oh, okay. the stuff yeah. that's, that's overdue, it's going to be it's just going to be just as overdue the next time. Right. right. So um, so let's start with the stuff that's not yet uh, that's still timely. So let's uh, let's start with um, uh, the second message from a repeat uh, emailer. Um, and I think, I think this is, this is a, a pretty good question. So, uh, this comes from a listener, uh, deep stock. I think before when this person emailed us, they were uh, deep cheese. Uh, they called the, they emailed us about the, uh, preparing the pasta in the rounded out, uh, wheat cheese wheel. Um, yep. and so, and this, uh, this particular individual who is an inspector in uh, Australia um, uh, emailed us two different questions. And so, the, the, so this is the, the first, the second one of the two, but we'll take it in reverse chronological order. So um, he's an environmental health officer. He works in local government. Um, his question is regarding the safety of Chinese master stocks, a stock that is repeatedly reused to poach or braise meats. Um, a while back, as a result of a food inspection, I prohibited a process at a Chinese food business which sells marinated meats and 
different soups. The meat is cooked in large um, uh, quarter liter, uh, sorry, 250 liter, so uh, a quarter quarter of whatever is bigger than a liter, 250 liter pots of marinade master stock, which is kept hot during the day, but left at room temperature overnight. They would keep the pots of stock hot during the day from boiling to warm. However, at night they would leave it at room temperature. Strictly speaking, this is a potentially hazardous food or PHF. Um, I will, as an aside, PHFs uh, now in the United States are called TCS foods, that is foods that require temperature control for safety, Um, uh, and we'll link to the IFT document that um, uh, I was a co-author on that that talks, that that proposed the the change in nomenclature from PHF to TCS. Um, Even if the meat, uh, sorry, so strictly speaking, these are PHFs, even if the meat is decanted, is there any way you would consider this practice to be acceptable? The business argues this is a traditional method of cooking in China done for thousands of years, and that it is safe due to high salt content, a layer of oil which forms on top of the soup, which quote unquote stops bacteria. I don't, I guess I sort of understand that. It's boiled daily. They have done this for years, and nobody has complained or got sick from these practices since the business opened. Um, and then uh, some of the pots are port. Pork tripe, pork ear, pork tongue, pork spine bones, pork foot. <laughs> what? Sorry, I'm sorry. Pork, pork, pork. pork foot, ox tendon, chicken giblet, chicken claw, chicken bones, and pork skin aspic. Um, I know that similar foods exist and have existed in other cultures. For example, medieval English uh, peasants used to have pottage. Would you consider the practice of heating daily to the boil and cooling overnight out of refrigeration repeatedly a safe practice. Uh, once again, if this has been talked about before, it did not come in search. Uh, ben, do you have thoughts on this? So I do. I, I, I Googled a little bit on this because I'm, I'm not familiar with, with master stock. And one of the things um, that, that I saw when I... So, it's like a few uh, cultural foods that we have talked about in the past, and I'd say kimchi is one of these, right? Master stock seems to be a – there's no one recipe for it, right? right. Like it's, it is a, a, a heritage – um, you know, cultural food that that I think there are probably lots of variations that are either geographically regional or fam- familial regional you know um, variances, and so. But one of the things that that um, the deep stock didn't didn't mention um, that I found in a few of these recipes that that may help answer some of this question um, are the inclusion of soy sauce and rice wine. So so while the the company or the you know the the food business firm said things like, um, you know, it's safe due to high salt content. Yeah, there's probably salt in there. I mean, there's salt in there. It's probably not a high enough salt content, but the pH actually may be our part of the answer here. Um, and, and, and the, you know, like we've talked about with, with, uh, kimchi and, and other foods in, in the past, it, the, the, the magic, uh, of this, food and keeping it safe may just be in the details of that specific pot and that specific recipe to say all um, uh, you know, Chinese master socks would be safe or unsafe, I think is probably not um, not the way to go. But 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 pH may be a real a real factor um, in this on whether it's a, uh, a TCS food. Um, and then the other thing, and this is what you, you pointed out in, in your answer um, to deep stock was about this um, you know, similarly, what we saw with with stock in a discussion that we had in in a in a previous episode, um, related to a question that I got from a, a food writer in in Charlotte about um, heating stock up after um, 
making it after Thanksgiving from from turkey carcass and turkey bones, and the the process of um, keeping it at room temperature but boiling it multiple times and creating uh, this this process uh, or like using this process known as uh, tindalization, which uh, a friend of the podcast and uh, and someone sometime listener Carl Custer um, uh, you sent uh, uh, some some details on so. So I, 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 yeah, and and I think this is along the lines of your your answer, which the the devil's really in the details, right? Like like it, so sometimes master master stock is it might be safe, and sometimes it may not be safe, um, and, and and to be armed with a pH meter is probably going to help answer some of this question in the in the field. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I pH meter, water activity meter, um, you know, and the other thing I'll say too is challenge studies. Right, if if this is yep. a practice, um, somebody should investigate it with some challenge studies uh, where you inoculate with. I mean, and it's it's meat, so I mean, I'm mostly I'm worried about spore formers, right? And so the question is, what if you uh, put spores of Clostridium botulinum, Clostridium perfringens, or Bacillus cereus into this, and then follow this process? Uh, what happens, right? So so try try some best practices or you know worst practices and, and, and see what happens and see, you know, and based on the data you get from that, then you'll know whether it's, whether it's safe or not. It's not a, yeah, I mean, you know, leaving things out at room temperature for extended periods of time is not something that you should do without thinking about it because yeah, it yep. has the potential to be tremendously problematic. Well, and, and one of the things here, like, and this is maybe not the most, um, it's it's a quick way to handle this, not maybe the best way from a from a food quality standpoint. But um, you know, to, to deep stocks, you know, quoting deep stock here, they would keep pots of stock hot during the day, from boiling to warm. However, at night they would leave at room temperature, and and I think you can fix this in a way. You know, continue to use this master stock. And keep it when they say they keep it warm. I mean, really, if you just kept it above 135, and and that's maybe hot, not warm. I, you know, depending on what our our definitions are, but it doesn't have to be boiling. And then just cool it down correctly so it's not in a 250 liter pot of marinade. Um, uh, it, and maybe that's a space issue, right? Like maybe that's, but but to be able to cool it and then keep it refrigerated and then rewarm it up in the ne- the next day is is also something that um, that could be used so you don't have to. Um, throw this master um, master stock out, and I say that, and then thinking about like 250 liters, that's a lot to put into a walk-in cooler. <laughs> that is, and, yeah, and that may explain why they don't refrigerate it. Is it's and, yeah. and even if you did like that, that's um, that didn't yeah. that didn't even occur to me until just now. And I I read the message and I just read it out loud. But yeah, 250 liters is a massive amount, and so so refrigeration is not practical because of the the mass, right? And that's the cooling, just, yeah, the that, cooling yeah. needed. To, and you you could put it, you could wheel it into a cooler, and it's still going to be room temperature the next morning because it's yep. just a just a mass. Um, you know the the heat the heat uh, in that is just uh, yeah it's ridiculous right you you just you, it would be a major engineering effort um, to, to 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 handle that yeah yeah so so maybe pH is the reason is a, is is the answer here um, and so just to um, we'll link to this in show notes but I found um, one. Uh, and I won't. I'll say like in Richard Finger's uh, recipe from uh, a website called uh, thefooddictator.com uh, that says um, the uh, uh, master stock is uh, is typical is made from typical Chinese ingredients, namely water, soy sauce, rock sugar, 
and shaozing or rice wine. And a variety of other spices and flavorings are usually added, such as spring onions, shallots, star anise, dried citrus peel, cashew bark, sand ginger, Szechuan pepper, garlic ginger, and dried mushrooms. All of those things are going to like impact the, the pH depending on how much uh, – what the ratios are um, in there. And, um, and in this, it's kind of an interesting, you know, as I, as I read this, uh, article before we got on, um, uh, here, there's a, a passage that says the growth of microbes, uh, well, it says after use, the master stock will not be immediately reused. It is usually boiled, skimmed, strained, and cooled quickly to kill any microorganisms in the stock. The growth of microbes in the stock can potentially spoil the flavor of the stock or pose a health risk. The stock is then refrigerated or frozen until required. And, and I think that's fine when you're looking at maybe, two liters of it when you're talking about 20, 250 liters, or I mean, I mean, literally even 20, even five liters or 10 liters, we're talking a pretty good mass that, that becomes problematic to cool safely. Um, so yeah, great, 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 uh, great spot for us to start. Yeah. And I know, I know we talked about this before on the podcast and it was in response to some famous person, famous on the internet person who recently passed away, who shared his favorite soup recipe. I think it might've even been linked on Daring Fireball. I did a, a search of our website and I couldn't find it. I did a little bit of other additional searching and I didn't find anything else either, except I did find a, a pretty cool article, um, from a New York times from 2011 by Harold McGee. Um, which which actually uh, and and Harold basically answers this talks about this you know leaving chicken stock out uh, uh, on the stovetop overnight and in coming up with an answer um, he uh, reached out to our our friend uh, now sadly departed Pete Snyder so um, lots of good discussion here from Harold McGee and from Pete and so we'll we'll link to that New York Times article as well okay awesome awesome all right well let's move to um, uh, to another, uh, another one. Um, and I, let me see where we got here. Um, got, all right. So here's a, a message. Uh, and I don't know if this is someone who uh, said that we can't talk about her name or anything like that. Um, uh, oh no, sorry. Uh, <sighs> This is from Deep Francis. Um, and so the message goes, guys, on NPR, I recently heard an interview with Emily Oster, an economist about advice that pregnant women should ignore. I'm an isotope geochemist uh, and not a microbiologist, uh, but recommending that pregnant women ignore listeria advice didn't sound advisable to me. Am I wrong? If listeria can be transmitted via the deli slicer, why wouldn't everything, not just turkey, be contaminated? Um, and and so uh, you know, she um, she says, please don't use my name if you post something about this. Um, there's no need to reference me, but if you do, reference me as Francis Kelly, MD, uh, who I hope will be the first Canadian pictured on a piece of uh, U.S. currency. So, deep Francis. Uh, and uh, here's the uh, just the the transcript to, or uh, a bit of the transcript uh, on this, and it's. Uh, uh, Dubner, who's the person who's doing um, the uh, interviewing, there's a long list of foods that some pregnant women avoid. Oster, yes, no deli meats, no soft cheeses, no sushi, etc. There are a few things you should avoid. Probably deli turkey, things that sit around a steam table, not so good. Probably un- unpasteurized soft cheese, also, also worth advising. But many of these things, sushi, ham, are that are on the restricted list. Most women are likely to look at it as evidence, and I think it's actually look at the evidence, and I think it's actually fine. And why deli turkey but not other deli meats? And Oster says deli turkey is more likely to harbor us, uh, listeria than other deli meats. And so that's the um, – it's from the Freakonomics podcast, uh, uh, Parenting, uh, episode 376, Data-Driven Guide to Sane Parenting. Uh, Don, what are your thoughts on this? 
Oh, well, before I dive into my thoughts on this, I do want to mention that the key to finding that was to Google Daring Fireball Soup, um, because there's only one post on soup on Daring Fireball, and it gave me the name of the person, um, uh, Dean Allen, and then when I Googled um, uh, Food Safety Talk, uh, when I looked on Food Safety Talk with our search for Dean Allen, I found it. Um, so the the, re- the original reference when we talked about this before is Food Safety Talk 411, uh, entitled, They Look and Taste Like Green Turds. So so another great title uh, from the uh, from the archives. Um, yeah, so this is this is bad advice, right? I mean, we know I, we can point to risk assessments on um, uh, from the FDA on listeria that show that deli slicers can be a cross contamination focal point. So anything coming out of that deli slicer could have listeria on it. So this is this is bad advice. This is bad advice that could um, that could really seriously impact someone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to highlight, we'll link to these in show notes, two, two uh, items from CDC. Um, one that, that I like, I don't know if we would uh, term that this is still an ongoing outbreak you know, today in July, but there hasn't been a, um, hey, this outbreak is over announcement that CDC is usually pretty good at, at that. But um, there was uh, an investigation notice that was posted on uh, April um, 17th. Um, and uh, the investigation notice um, says, um, you know, there's a multi-state of uh, listeria infections linked to deli sliced meats and cheeses. Um, USDA's FSIS and USDA FDA are monitoring the outbreak, eight cases, eight hospitalizations, one death. Um, and so, you know, so, so to your point, um, the, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this a couple episodes ago, um, but it is a, if there's a listeria that gets introduced into a slicer, and that slicer is not clean and sanitized. And the other um, paper that I'm going to link to um, is uh, is related to um, uh, an investigation that that our colleagues at SNET, uh, the EH SNET at uh, CDC, did, um, looking at how often deli slicers are actually cleaned and sanitized um, due to, um, you know, as per recommendations, which is about half the time, uh, both managers and, and food uh, employees say that, um, that, that there's a risk. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I would have a, I, ha, I would have trouble um, advising any individual who is high risk for listeria eating things that are sliced in a deli slicer at all. Like, like that's, and that may, I may be coming out a little too strong for some of our friends in the retail, um, food world. Um, but that, that's how I'd manage the risk if, and, and I think, and especially, and, you know, I've talked a little bit about this when it came to when my wife was pregnant, um, with, with both of our kids, um, the, the benefit, uh, doesn't, does not outweigh the risk to me. And the consequence of losing a child is just, you know, or losing a fetus is, is just too, too great. Um, uh, for, for me to, uh, to avoid, uh, to, to, to say, oh yeah, it's okay to, to, to eat some of these things. But, but as, as you mentioned, um, you know, Emily Oster economist, um, he, you know, uh, if you look just at historical outbreaks, you're only seeing one portion of the, of the story that, yeah, there's been some Turkey linked outbreaks, but there's been lots of other foods that have been linked to, to Listeria that have gone through deli slicers. What about, what do you think about the sushi comment? 
you know, so, so she, so, and this is something that, that I didn't, I didn't work out, but her comment is probably unpasteurized soft cheese also, also worth avoiding, but many of these things, and she calls out sushi comma ham are on the restricted list and are most actually fi- probably fine. You think, you think listeria is like, do you think there's an increased risk, risk of listeria with sushi? I don't think there is. I don't think there is, but here's the thing. Sushi contains other pathogens. And if you're right. pregnant, you have a little parasite, uh, otherwise known as your, your fetus, growing inside you. And for that to happen, you are, your immune system is, is ramped down. So you don't you want don't, another so you little don't, parasite. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so no. I mean, no, no raw yeah. fish, right? I mean, if you, if you, yes, if you like sushi, by all means, eat sushi. Eat the cooked kind. But no, no, raw, raw sushi, bad for pregnant women. Bad. Don't eat that. Well, and and I guess this is you know this is the thing. It's it's it. All of these things are risk management decisions, and they're risk benefit uh, calculations that an individual has. And and and, and if. The, well, uh, yeah. So, so here's the yeah. thing. If you, if, if you are absolutely craving ham, fine, go okay. to the store, buy a ham, cook the ham, eat the ham, right? Slice the ham, store it in your own fridge, but do not go buy pre-sliced ham or get ham that's been sliced in a deli slicer. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a bad idea. And if you, honestly, if you really want to have deli meats, if that's really your go-to thing that you need to eat while you're pregnant, then just microwave them. <laughs> yeah. I, I just sent you a link to to a paper that I don't think we've talked about, but I remember when this came out back in 2010, uh, seeing it, I think we talked about it on, on Barf Blog, and it's a really, uh, we, we, we alluded to some of the stuff on raw, uh, on uh, undercooked and raw eggs, and um, that, that food coming off the list of foods to avoid when pregnant in the UK. And this is uh, a, a paper that was uh, in the Canadian uh, you know, Journal of Canadian Family Physicians, Foodborne Illnesses During Pregnancy, uh, Prevention and Treatment um, by Tam et al. from 2010. And so um, I, I want to – I'll read the, the abstract here and it says, after hearing of outbreaks of um, illnesses resulting from Listeria and Salmonella, many of my patients are wondering about the risks of foodborne illnesses during pregnancy and what they can do to reduce their risk of contracting them. And the answer from in the abstract is, although heating or cooking foods is the best way to inactivate foodborne pathogens, improved standards and surveillance have reduced the prevalence of contaminated foods at grocery stores. And here's the part that you're going to love the best, uh, Don. Therefore, it is no longer necessary for pregnant women to avoid foods like deli meats and soft cheeses associated with Listeria, soft cooked eggs associated with salmonella or sushi or and sashimi. Regardless of whether seafood is raw or cooked, pregnant women should choose low mercury seafood um, and pregnant women should ensure their food is obtained from reputable establishments, stored, handled, and cooked properly and consumed within a couple of days of purchasing. And and here's the, the this is the part that, that I think is like, I don't know what the right term is this, a false argument. So yes, the the listeria that the 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 prevalence of listeria that comes into my grocery store is pro, is definitely less than it was 15 20 years ago yes but in the last sentence in this answer stored handled and cooked properly is the thing that i need to do how do i know that as a pregnant woman that it is handled properly and i'm going to highlight that the 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 situation with cleaning and sanitizing deli slicers 
how do I, how do I assess that? I can't, right? Like it's not, it's not fair to, um, to suggest this. So I, I do find that this, like, you know, this is a, a, a paper that is in, you know, a, a peer reviewed, uh, uh, publication there, there's, uh, it's a small, um, paper that sort of gives references about incidents, but it's only half the story to me, right? Like by saying we've reduced prevalence, it doesn't tell me all of the factors. And it's only, it's really only one of the factors. Well, and relevant to a conversation I was having earlier today, um, it's not, it's not about prevalence, honestly, in many cases, it's about concentration, right? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can reduce prevalence. I mean, again, th- this has been shown for um, for meat and poultry, for raw meat and poultry, so it's not exactly analogous. But but again, some a big food company whose name you would recognize um, basically came to the conclusion that that their solution that they, they've gone as far as they can go on prevalence, but what they really need to focus on now is reducing concentration because it's concentration, at least in in their situation, that seems to drive the risk. And so you. You, pre- reducing prevalence is not enough. The other thing I'll come back to on, and I, I misread the abstract. I thought they were telling people to avoid all these foods. And no, I they're saying good, but eat yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, pregnant women should ensure their food is obtained from a reputable establishment. Great. Ben, how would you go about instructing a pregnant woman yep. to determine whether an establishment was reputable or not? Um, are hospitals in the UK reputable? I think they are. Um, did they also kill a bunch of people with uh, listeria-laden sandwiches? I think they did, yep, right? Yep. So don't don't eat sandwiches. Don't eat pre-prepared sandwiches. That's another food that you shouldn't eat. But but how 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 do you determine whether an establishment is reputable? That's not it's anyway, and and a, an establishment is reputable until it kills someone with listeria, and then it's not reputable. <laughs> it's not reputable anymore right, until right. they until they fix it, right? Until and how would you how them. would you even yeah. know that? I mean, it's yeah, this is making me angry. It's a really yeah, I remember it's a bad it's, paper. It's, it's a bad paper, and it, and it's from. Um, it's from a group called Mother Risk. Uh, they they sort of do these Q Q and A's, and it is a, um, you know, so the at the bottom of notes, Mother Risk questions are prepared by the Mother Risk team at the hospital for sick children in Toronto, and the hospital for sick kids is is kind of Canada's like number one hospital. Miss um, Tam is a graduate student in clinical pharmacology at the University of Toronto. Doctor. Arabera is a member, and Miss Einerson uh, is assistant director of the Mother Risk program. Um, so, so I, just to not just to just to bash on him a little bit, someone who is studying to get a degree in clinical pharmacology, somebody who is an MD, and then somebody else who is sorry, I'm getting a I'm getting a phone call. You're getting a phone um, call. Are you call um, Mother Risk calling. They're like no, no. not talking about me. So. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's my good friend and colleague Siobhan Duffy, um, uh, who I would normally love to talk to. Um, uh, and, the, and then also somebody who's an RN. So I don't, sorry, I don't want food safety advice from any of those people. I, I, you know, I, just, I, they're not qualified. I mean, clearly, because this is a terrible article. Right. Right. And, and it is it, like, it's one of the, like I said, it's one of those things that is misleading that, that if I can, if I can, I can cherry pick, you can cherry pick stuff that's in the literature to prove a point one way or the other. And this is missing the larger picture, right? They're, they're missing the, um, how well people clean and sanitize deli slicers and how, um, and, and really making a decision for people by changing this advice. I don't know. You, I don't like giving people advice, right? <laughs> That's first thing, but really it says, Oh, it's no longer necessary for pregnant women to avoid all foods like deli meats and soft cheeses. What happens? And I don't want to get too weird on this one, but what happens if someone says, Oh, I read that paper, I read that Q and a, and I ate a bunch of deli meats and soft cheeses and, and I lost my fetus. 
And you told me that it was no longer necessary for me to do this, right? Like this is a really strong statement. What what I really think we need to talk about is here are the risks associated with this, and and you as an individual make make a decision. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just we're dancing around this whole thing. There's a lot that makes me upset about the the idea of reputable establishments and and how is it handled and how would I assess that? I have no idea. So well, and they, if you I mean, yeah. you read the the article talks about botulism toxin and and whether you know whether women should avoid honey because it, the the bot toxin might cross the placenta but that has that has nothing to do with 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 honey infant botulism from honey i mean it's just jesus it's a, just this, this is just bad yeah yeah no it's it's not good so thank you thank you thank you deep francis for 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 highlighting it and, and getting us down this uh this path uh um, uh, a little bit. One of the things I don't know, we're, I don't think we can talk too much about it, but Don, you and I were together last week talking about Listeria. I think that's mu- as much as I can say. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, um, and one of the, one of the things that, um, that came out of the discussion in a, in a larger group with other people that were also talking about Listeria, um, it was, uh, in, at least in my area of things, um, the importance to target special groups, whether that be elderly, whether that be people who are eating foods in a hospital, whether it be people that are preparing foods in a hospital, um, but but special groups with very specialized risk information and not information in a way like this, where it where it says, you know, I don't know. I just like, therefore, it is no longer necessary for pregnant women to avoid foods. Don, there's still a risk. If we've reduced the risk, it's still a risk, and we really need to let people know, here's here's where we were, here's where we are now, are you willing to take the risk? And if you're not, here are some steps that you can do to reduce your to reduce the risk of, uh, you know, of losing a fetus or or or, um, you know, or dying uh, if if you're elderly and, and or immunocompromised. Ugh, we're worked up, Don. Yeah, I yeah. No. Here, so here's here's a question, um, and I don't have a good answer to this. I mean, I can give you what my answer would be. What if a pregnant woman wants ice cream? Right. I mean, oh. probably it's fine. Especially pregnant if it's women. not from Bluebell, and some, and there and again, pregnant. there were lots of people that lots of pregnant women probably that ate that Bluebell ice cream that caused yeah. the outbreak that didn't get sick. So I I guess I what I'm I'm talking myself into saying yeah, go ahead and eat ice cream, but but boy, foods that can support the growth of listeria, and that's really what we're talking about here, foods that yeah. support the growth. Uh, don't don't eat them. It's a right, bad right. idea. Bad idea. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, and your, the ice cream comment that, that you mentioned really comes down to not 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 prevalence, but concentration, right? Absolutely, that's, right. That's it. Like it's it's not a. Um, and, and Bluebell, uh, we'll link to this paper, um, and it was uh, some stuff that was published by FDA. Let me see if I can Google this on the fly. Um, and, and I won't I won't get it right while I while I Google this, but. Um, in the paper um, in JFP, they took a bunch of samples, and like 99% of those samples of the um, uh, of the ice cream um, had listeria in it, but at low levels, right? So, right. so prevalence off the charts, right? Concentration real, real low, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, so, so there you go. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh! Before we leave this, I want to sure. highlight because um, we just we, we just had Canada Day, right? 
and 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 deep francis so so deep so francis. so do, do they do they have fourth of july in canada ben oh we still have fourth of july it just doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> we still every every year it's on the calendar right it's every year we exactly. do exactly we do the third of july we do the fourth of july we do the fifth of july we just go we just blow right through it uh <laughs> But Canada today is July first, um, and so that, God, you guys, you you bastards, you're always like stealing our thunder. You you have your Thanksgiving before us. You have your Fourth yeah. of July before us. It's so annoying. We got the scoop. We got the scoop on holidays. Um, we do Christmas earlier. When is Canadian Christmas? And, and, and I'm, I'm only half joking, Don. You know how I know we do Christmas earlier? <laughs> no. It's because Newfoundland is an hour and a half. Oh, nice. Eastern Standard Time. Nice. So, so Christmas literally happens earlier in Canada than it does in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. And other than Guam, I guess, right? I don't know where they are. Um yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, deep Francis, uh, is, uh, took, took the name of, uh, of deep Francis. Um, first here's a, here's a dragon show reference. Uh, deep Francis, first of her name, uh, for your, uh, uh of dragons. No, uh, deep Francis is, uh, is in, uh, in homage to, uh, Francis Oldham Kelsey, uh, who is an American Canadian American pharmacologist and physician. Um, and she was, uh, uh, a reviewer for FDA uh, back in the uh, 1940s and 50s, um, and she uh, was uh, known really as uh, refusing uh, to authorize thalidomide for the market in the U.S. because she had concerns about the drug safety. And uh, thalidomide, uh, we'll link to this in Wikipedia, um, was an anti-nausea drug um, that was uh, approved in uh, in you know, a few parts of the world, uh, including the UK and Canada and, uh, led to, um, uh, fatalities, fetal fatalities and, and birth defects. So, um, so deep, deep Francis, I like, I like the connection. Happy, happy Canada day. Um, and as I mentioned to you, when I saw you last week, happy independence day, also known as July the 4th or the 4th of July. And I said, that's because, uh, Americans can't, can't always remember things and it's easier just to, to put the, the date right in the name. So well, and everybody knows that the purpose of the Fourth of July is to uh, to shoot off fireworks. Yeah, blow stuff up. Yeah, and yeah. apparently uh, we're going to have um, uh, tanks and um, uh, airplanes are going to fly, and I'm going to be very sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go to the pool. I'm gonna drink uh, light beer, uh, like a good American, uh, a little light or something. Uh, <laughs> And celebrate that way. I'll probably have a hot dog. Uh, I'll do all. I'll do all those things. Um, on uh, on on the Fourth of July, um, just to uh, to to really uh, uh, take a, a turn. Um, right before, so so we scheduled the podcast today. I, I don't know if you remember from our after show last week or two weeks ago why I needed to do the podcast at three o'clock. Do you remember? Yeah, what it I, involved golf with the dean, right? It did not involve golf with the dean. It, I, I it involved the dean. dean. It, no, it was no? sort of. The dean asked for – I had to change the meeting around because I needed to meet with the dean. But I couldn't do this earlier in the afternoon because I had to go get a haircut because oh, I played my haircut. yes, yes. Yes, um, yes, because you schedule your haircut ahead of time. Yes. Right. And I, I told you we would talk about it. It's really – that's it. I just scheduled <laughs> it ahead of time. Uh, 
But uh, while I was getting my hair cut, the guy that cuts my hair told me, I asked him, hey, what are you doing for the 4th of July? And he said, you know, not too much. I think I'm going to drive down to South Carolina and buy some fireworks and bring them back up here and blow stuff up. Cool. <laughs> and that, that is a North Carolinian uh, 4th of July plan right there. Drive two and a half hours to get exploding fireworks, bring them back here. Hopefully don't blow your hand up. Uh, happy Independence. Yeah, um, I, we we drove through Pennsylvania where you can buy the fireworks, um, but I did not buy any. I didn't even see the signs, which is weird. I I, I must just be tuning them out. So yeah, um, we we have so tonight actually is the Freehold Borough fireworks. Uh, they're going to be going on at the end of our street at the Freehold Raceway. Um, so. There will be fireworks tonight. Um, we can uh, walk out into the middle of the street and sort of see them through the trees, or we can walk down to the end of the street, which is like two blocks, yeah, like one big block, two blocks, um, uh, and then see the fireworks. Um, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. So no, you're just going to hang out at it's home. It's hot. I'm, it's hot. Yeah, you know? dude, it's hot here. It's oh, like you're hotter for you than me. Yeah, my watch says 96. And my the car said like 101. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy right now. Yeah, 80, 85 um, here in Freehold. Yeah. Oh. 85 is a dream. 85 is yeah. November, Don. God. <laughs> oh, um, I, you know, I live in here 10 years and I, I do like to like that's there is some sort of a landmark around a decade. Right. Like I, I definitely feel like a North Carolinian now. Um, I, I, the hot does not bother me as much as it did. I am just sweaty all the time and I embrace it. I, I will. My my shirt is always wet um, when I went to get my hair cut. I'm sure it's disgusting. But the guy, um, you know, who cuts my hair, uh, like turned the the hair dryer on on cold and like dried me off, um, <laughs> which which I, I'm saying it out loud. I'm a little bit embarrassed about, but that's that's what just happened. Wow, so, that yeah. we don't they don't my barber doesn't have that. That's that's pretty special. I go to a, I go to a stylist on. Uh, I mean, you go to a barber, I go to a stylist, and I think that's just the difference between the two of us. Yep. Yep, you have you have way more style. I got, or you need I got, way more style. I'm not sure. I, need, I, need, I think I need style help. I need I need someone. I, got, I need a team of people to help me with style. Yeah, um, you need a, you need a queer eye for the food safety guy. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Moving on. Deep Aussie. Deep Aussie. Um, this is a good one. Okay. So. Um, uh, it'll give you a little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of background. Uh, thank you, dear, dear Dr. Ben and Dr. Don. Um, and, and really I want to go by professor, professor Chapman, uh, thanks to Max, what yeah. Max called me. Uh, so I, I think we'll, we'll, I'll know my, I'll, I'll be uh, calling myself professor Chapman and Dr. Don. Uh, thank you for your contribution to improving food safety worldwide. That's, that's a big statement. I appreciate that. We appreciate it. Uh, share your passion. And with the exception of Andreas, uh, Kiermaier, uh, blast in the past and Doug Powell, I would like to claim that I'm your biggest fan down under. There are four reviews on Apple Podcasts Australia, and I can see us, Andreas's and mine. I've studiously listened to your pod dot 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 cast from episode one, which I started in 2018 after a career break of 14 years. Listen to your approachable, personable, intelligent, topical food safety banter helped me get my food safety relevance and more importantly confidence back where I need to be uh, for me in my present role and policy focused uh, uh, EHO environmental health officer, which is our environmental uh, health specialist and that these are like just thank you for those kind words uh it, it's always uh it's always humbling um so so thanks thanks for that that's not the that's not the message so the message is i've just listened to episode 180 when you talk about taking leftover meal bits doggy bags as we call them as they were traditionally supposed to be for your dog as an aside as both of you are dog people as i am i have a 19th month old australian shepherd called indy it is the same in, in, is it the same in america that pooches 
fur babies are the new children. Uh, I, kind of, yep. Uh, people pay more for doggy daycare uh, playdates uh, than you do for childcare, uh, which is subsidized. Pet hotels, simulating toys, uh, <laughs> phrasing there, uh, grooming, cosmetics, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, in this episode, you spoke of hectoring a little, uh, a, a hectoring little form Christi- uh, Chris- Christina Summers referred to on Twitter and how this was a communication vehicle opportunity. What do you think? And this was um, you know, related to, um, I think it was at the Hilton. Uh, and, uh, and a bit of a, um, uh, a waiver saying, uh, you know, if you take this food, uh, it's in your own hands. What do you think of what we developed in cooperation with restaurant and catering industry circa 2004? The 2015 fact sheet version is here and, and we'll link to this in, in show notes. And this is from, uh, publications, uh, from queensland.gov.au. Um, and it's on, it's on doggy bags. So Don, have you, did you have a chance to take a look at the, um, at the document, Do you um, have any I, yeah. Thoughts? So we, we'll link to the web link. Um, it's uh, uh, it, it 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 basically takes you to a page where you can download the the dot doc file, the word dot doc file. Um, if you try to, if I try to open the doc file on my computer, it warns me about macros, uh, which is which is a bit of a red flag. Um, so I didn't open it, but I can actually see it in uh, previewer here uh, on the Mac. And I did not look at it, but I'm looking at it now. All right. Well, I looked. I looked at it because I, Don. I don't know. I prepare for these things. Uh, it, it may surprise you and every everyone else. Um, no, no, so, not at all. <laughs> So it's uh, this is from Queensland Health, and it's uh, food safety information from uh, for doggy bags, um, and and so the, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go through the introduction, but it, there are two things that I really like. One is it tells you what the risk is, and it tells you how to minimize the risk. And so it talks about temperature abuse, increasing risk, unhygienic handling by the consumer, increasing risk, contamination um, in in storage, uh, and cross contamination. Okay, so here are the things that you need to worry about when it comes to taking food home. How do you minimize the risk? Well, this, and again, this is for the business, have a set procedure for providing doggy bags and instructing staff on what to do. Um, tell them recording information can be helpful, uh, in the case of legal action, um, transfer. And so, uh, two, uh, takeaways. So it's like, have a plan. Number two are put the, put the food into a new food grade container. Check. I like that. And then number two is have an instruction sticker or some sort of information to accompany the food that says, here are the risks and what you need to do as a consumer when you take it home. And I love that. Um, and they they give uh, some uh, uh, sort of a template of doggy bags and a, and a sticker that says, um, we hope you enjoyed your meal. Please ensure this food is placed in your refrigerator as soon as possible. Reheat to piping hot before eating. Discard if not used within 24 hours. And so I like I, – I, what I like is have an instruction sticker. I have some feedback on the instruction sticker. One is um, refer, placing the refrigerator as soon as possible is a little bit loose. Yep. I, I, I would like to say – you know place into your refrigerator within X number of hours. Yep. And, and I would, you know, and, and for something like this, I think we can really get away with saying, 
um, placed in a refrigerator within four hours of yeah. uh, of meal service, yeah. right? I think that's a good a good window here. Some people would probably err on two hours uh, just to be extra, um, you know, uh, careful. But I think four hours. And then, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about piping hot, and we've talked about it on Barf Blog a lot. Piping hot is not not maybe the best, uh, you know, the best uh, uh, number. Although I we have heard from our Australian colleagues that no one has a thermometer. I think it's impossible. It's important to say things like. Like reheat to you know sixty degrees Celsius, um, and I think that's the right uh, you know right temperature um, for this. You know, it gives you something that that gives you a target. Use a thermometer and reheat it to that. If if there are you know that will take care of of uh, 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 killing some pathogens that may have been introduced or may have survived this process. So so thank you um, wholeheartedly um, to uh, deep. Uh, um, deep Aussie. Uh, and yeah, I really, I, I like the fact sheet. So yeah. Awesome. And I, I would say we could even, since we're going to make it more strict in some ways, you can make it less strict and say, it says at the end, it says discard, if not used within 24 oh, hours, yeah. I would say you can say discard, if not used within 72 hours or three days. Right. I mean, I think you're fine to go three days. And, and I would, so this is one I want to like, you, I, I, I want to do something uh, on this. I think it would be fine if I said, um, if your refrigerator is is four, yeah, you know, we'll do this in in Aussie terms. If if your refrigerator is four C or below, discard it within seven days. Like, would you have a problem with that? I mean, I think the twenty four hours is really you know it's too strict. The three days is for listeria growth, right? Assuming that someone's fridge is is higher than forty one Fahrenheit, you know, like maybe up to six degrees Celsius. Sorry to go back and forth between um, the the two scales there, but but I, I if if someone was below forty. What's what? What's the risk of? Is there any increased risk if we went from three days to seven days? Re- realistically, if we set that limit at one log increase, I mean, so I'll answer my question. Yes, there's increased risk, but is it is it the threshold of one log? Probably not. Right, and and the likelihood of being recontaminated with listeria is low anyway. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the point is, you got to set a number based on something, right? Ideally, you'd like to be based on something. And so, yeah, I'm comfortable with, with looking at the, the growth rate um, of listeria at, at different temperatures and then using that to determine it. And then, yeah, give them people feedback. If, you're, if you know your fridge temperature is, is below X, and then you can keep it for Y. If it's above X, keep it for you know Z. Yeah, and I know that seems really complicated, right? But, but I, I do think we have... Um, I don't know, a couple of projects I've been working on recently, not to get too much into details, um, compliance with whatever the, the message is low, right? Like full compliance with the message and partial compliance with the message is, is going to reduce risk. So let's, let's give some options, right? Like if you want to do this and and this is what your temperature is, do that. And if you want to, if you want to keep it longer, then your temperature of your fridge needs to be at least the, you know, here. And so the first, you know, the first step is, well, what's the temperature of my fridge? If I don't know that, then, then yeah, three days is, is, is is your, uh, is a good recommendation. And it also puts the thought into the person's mind, Hey, hmm, you know, maybe uh, it would be good to know the temperature of my fridge. Right. I mean, and, and and again, instead of us just saying, well, consumers are never going to do that. It's great that you're actually doing research that will give us some insight, right? Like where, cause we, we have to do something right. And, and if we can figure out what kind of messaging works, um, that's great. Cause that's going to help us be able to, a more educated consumer and a more informed consumer is, is 
better in terms of food safety. So let's find out what they can. Let's find out what works in terms of messaging and let's find out where we can get them to do better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So good. I mean, great. Yeah. Thanks for, for highlighting the, um, doggy, uh, feedback from Queensland health. Good job, Queensland health for addressing it. Um, we had a couple of little feedback pieces, but, uh, but thanks a lot. And, um, and that, and that was from episode 180, um, with the, the great title. That's the question I'm asking by Ben's, <laughs> by Ben's son. By my kid, Sam Chapman. Hey, so uh, I, I want to do I want to do one the other piece of follow up from um, uh, Deep Bun, which we just which are uh, sorry, uh, well Deep Cheese and then uh, Deep something else and and now uh, uh, oh Deep Stock right the person that, e- stock. that emails yep. about the yep. stock uh, this is uh, this is Deep Bun um, emailing us and so uh, this is the first of the two messages. Um, uh, let's see, uh, I would like to know your opinion on Asian uh, that is Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Taiwanese bakery products. How shelf-stable would you consider the cheese dog to be? What about the fried prawn bun or egg and ham roll? And we'll, we'll link to a restaurant uh, that has some of these recipes um, uh, in, in, in our show notes. Um, continuing on from Deep Bun. Um, in broad terms and, from, and for regulatory purposes, we consider them to be PHF, potentially hazardous foods, and therefore, during food safety inspections, we require adherence of the two-hour, four-hour rule. Given the reality uh, that these, these food businesses are not uh, uh, ever, or they're not, or if ever, following this rule, and they are displaying these products all day at room temperature, uh, intuitively, I consider these products safe out of temperature control for a day. If not, we would have hundreds of cases of foodborne illness. Do you agree? Um, could it be that these products are baked and most, most pathogenic microorganisms have been killed as long as the cooking process has been adequate and it, the ready-to-eat product is protected from contamination during storage and display, the micro, microbial numbers present would be safe enough to last the day. Uh, I'd be interested if you have any papers on this, and the, the answer is no, we don't. Um, I did send uh, the NACMIF document and the IFT document uh, to the, this individual, and I will also, we'll also find a way to link to them here in show notes. Um, so I'll give my answer, Ben, and then I'll let you uh, weigh in. Um, I think that with absence any additional information in the U.S., they would be PHF, right, or what we call now call TCS. Um, these kind of foods would need a challenge study to be held out of temperature control. And in fact, these kind of foods were some of the kinds of foods that FDA had questions about when it charged the NACMIF committee to write the challenge study document. Um, uh, so uh, the the listener is right in that uh, if the food is properly cooked, the inside would be free of vegetative pathogens. But um, as we noted before in the stock uh, Q and A, um, meat products can contain spores of uh, Bacillus and Clostridium species, and those spores would survive the cooking process. Um, uh, and so the question is, what is the ability of the filling of the pastry to support the growth? Now you can you can acidify the filling, um, so that's going to help. But again, um, you know, y- 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 the the proof is on the the producer to prove that these uh, these products are safe. And and again, yeah, there there may be some inherent safety because they are uh, fully cooked. Uh, you know, maybe they're deep fried. Uh, but still, again, the key question is what uh, can can spore forming pathogens survive the process? They probably can. And then, what is the pH and the water activity inside the product? Um, and 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 what's its ability to support the growth of pathogens. And again, you could be safe, pretty safe, 
Uh, but, uh, but not, not, nothing's hundred percent safe, but yeah, I mean, as to the question about, you know, rampant foodborne disease from these products, again, maybe there, maybe there are occasional cases and we just don't learn about them. So unless, unless something goes catastrophically wrong. So do you, do you have any thoughts, Ben? No, I couldn't. So when I initially read this, um, I didn't know what the cheese dog was and I really thought it was, a. Like a like like a you know Fourth of July yep. hot dog like a Frankfurter as it's known here with cheese and as an inclusion and I thought uh what is what is that like what you know what why would that, why would we even think that that would be um like I, I would look at it as a ready to eat food for sure but not a um, food that doesn't require time temperature control for safety and I think I'm missing something on this so 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 and 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 I um the we'll link to this in in show notes um. Deep, deep cheese, deep bun, sorry. Uh, deep cheese, deep bun, deep, deep whoever. Uh, there is something on this, uh, on the website that um, the, the um, uh, deep bun sent us of something called a Danish hot dog, which is a traditional Danish bread with a hot dog. And this is one that, that would kind of concern me. So take, take a look. I don't know if you, you looked at the website. So, I mean, it looks like there's a Frankfurter on a croissant or like pastry that's got some cheese across it. Um, and I, I would be, um, I, I, it, I think it would be difficult to, um, to make this food in a way that, that doesn't require, um, temperature control. And again, you know, not without a, without a challenge study, um, we, we definitely don't know, but I think it would be difficult to do you know, I think the challenge study would tell you that it's not, it's not, it's going to be hard to do. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I mean, you know, just based on the ingredients, uh, it it does seem potentially uh, potentially potentially hazardous. hazardous. <laughs> um, it does seem risky. Yeah, the the cheese dog. Yeah, so this is yeah. I mean, well, and again, um, yeah. So I guess the question is, what's well, if it's. Uh, yeah. Could, could we, Jeez. so um, let's, I want to walk you through this one, right? Yep. So, so let's look at, let's look at some of the spore formers that may survive the process of making, um, uh, you know, a hot dog or a Frankfurter. Like, would you, would you expect to see Clostridium perfringens survive that process? I, I think I would. Yep. Right. Like it, it. So if, if, if I think there's perfringens in the raw product, there's nothing in that process that's going to, that's going to take care of inactivating that spore. Now I, do I have a ready to eat food? Yeah, I do. Um, but the temperature control on it is going to be important because, um, as I bake this Danish hot dog and, and I'm sure the Danes are just like cursing us for this thing right now. Um, uh, but as I bake this, as I make this food, which is heating up this, this Frankfurter on a, on pastry, I, I think I may be, um, like providing the right, there's, you know, pH is good for, uh, um, you know, to come from spore and into vegetative cell and, uh, and, 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 and now I've got a prefer- – I really think we have a perfringence potential issue. Well, if the, yeah. if the if the hot dog is cured, that's going to help. Um, yes. But, yep. but no, the main way we control perfringence risk is by refrigerating, right? Uh, and obviously this is no problem to refrigerate this. It's not like a big piece of meat where you know most of the perfringence uh, deviations that I deal with are large pieces of meat that are not cooled fast enough. This you can cool very fast if you're trying to cool it. But otherwise, if you're leaving it out, yeah, I mean it, there's there – for sure there is a, there is a risk here. Yeah. What's the pH of a hot dog? Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe um, I'm... it's probably it's probably six five, six six five. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it'll support growth for sure. 
Yep. Yeah. And again, some of these look like pizza products. And I can tell you from the work that we've done and will hopefully publish soon, pizza is relatively low risk, right? Because um, the the higher plate counts tend to come from vegetable products. Um, The meat products are are relatively, you know, um, relatively, you know, microorganism free. Um, but again, pizza is baked. It's got a low water activity. Um, you don't have a, a pizza is different than, um, a, uh, what do you, what's the, what's the, what's the stuffed pizza thing that's that I'm oh, like a, cal- a, a, cal- a calzone, right? Like yeah, a calzone yeah. is different than a pizza, yeah, uh, yeah. because of, because of that internal environment. And now again, if it's calzone, that's stuffed with meat and that meat is not cured and you leave that out all day. Well, that's, that's, you know, and it's in that, it's in a, uh, 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 a tomato sauce. Well, okay, the pH of the tomato sauce is going to acidify it, but it's not going to get all the way into the middle of the meat. And if it's a, if it's a processed chopped meat product, you could have perfringent spores in the middle. So yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, all I mean, that. it's again, yeah. yeah. I mean, to 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 uh, Deep Bun's point, there's not rampant foodborne disease from this. But you know, the the question is how big of the are the batches, and what's the con, what's the level of contamination in the raw materials? It does. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you if you were selling this in the United in the United States, and an inspector came in, you would have to either prove that it's safe or do a challenge study to, to prove that it's safe, right? Because it, right. it just wouldn't be allowed. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm putting the bat, bat signal out to Nora Nerd on this. She's, she's listening. She'll tell us. She'll, we'll, we'll hear back on how uh, um, you know, a state and, and local regulator would, would handle this. But I, but I agree. Um, I agree with you that, that this, would be, this would be a tough one um, just based on you know, grow, and, and, but So it's a tough one, but, but how, do you, how do you fix it? Uh, challenge study. Right. Like there's, you know, maybe, maybe, and I say fix it. How do we know for sure is to, to conduct that challenge study. So. Right. And, or, uh, measure the pH in the water activity. Right, and, right. and if you're, if you're okay, and again, there's, there's great, uh, charts in the IFT document, um, or no, sorry. Well, yeah, IFT document, I think. And yeah. And, and maybe in the NACMF document too, there's charts that you can look at and there's, there's, there's charts in the food code that you can look at to see whether, okay, you're talking about spore formers or vegetative. I mean, th- these are all things that we discussed as we wrote, uh, both of those documents and it's not that hard, but it, 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 it's, it doesn't happen by accident. You have to actually make the measurements, right? What's the pH? What's the water activity? Um, and if you know that, and, and it's not, and, it's, and it's, it's the pH and the water activity of each unique substrate and every interface, right? So it's not just the hot dog and the bun. It's the interface between the bun because typically the bun is high pH, low water activity. The, 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 the filling might be low pH, high water activity. But what's, what happens at the interface? Well, the bacteria could be at the interface, and so you're going to have to, um, you know, you're going to have to pay attention to that yeah yeah um i'm gonna cherry pick some feedback now go for it yeah so i'm going i'm going off the board i'm or at least i'm going lower on the board um this is from uh you know it says uh, share all free tail all details freely although we don't we don't usually do that anyway so this is from uh really from from deep deep snake i think um and uh the uh, message is saw this post on Reddit and thought you two would find it interesting. Um, and for you, uh, Don, it is foreign object. Uh, Reddit is the, uh, the thing we're looking at and it's a, uh, picture, uh, the title on Reddit is my sister bought 
some strawberries from a very large grocery chain in British Columbia, Canada, comes with a live prize inside, and it's a picture of strawberries with a little little snake uh, in in there. Um, and uh, the comments, you know, never read the comments, but always read the comments. One point five thousand comments here. Um, fruit must be really fresh if this little guy's still alive. If this is at my grocery store. It would be a skeleton. Um, yeah, it's a special local product, probably packed this morning. Um, gloves and grabbing handfuls easily could have been in the center of a clump of berries, grabbed if a handful, or maybe crawled in between loading and wrapping. My money's on the first scenario, though. Also, this is a free snake. I would not turn it down. I'd buy the berries <laughs> specifically for said snake. This is a free snake. Yeah, free snake, free snake. <laughs> Show show title done. Free snake, free snake. Um, so how does this happen? You know, we we have talked a little bit about foreign objects. Uh, fresh product, this happens all the time. I mean, I can think of multiple um, media reports on things like frogs and big spiders and scorpions uh, uh, showing up in fresh produce. I actually don't think that that commenter got it right. Um, I, uh, I have been to strawberry harvesting centers. That, that sounded very formal. I've been to strawberry farms where people harvest strawberries and pack them. Um, no one's grabbing a bunch of strawberries and putting them in, in these things. These are all hand done. So to grab like 12 strawberries and, and a snake is, is I think pretty unlikely. I think it's more likely that it was in the packaging, um, of this. And as they're dropping uh, product on it, they just aren't, aren't paying attention to it or it crawled in. There's probably some ventilation, um, on the bottom of this, um, fresh products. Uh, I expect that there will like, I don't expect all of the produce that I buy. There'll be a snake. In fact, I've never bought a snake. I've never had a free snake as far but, as you know, <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, but I, I would, none of the, none of this surprises me. Um, I got, um, on this a little bit, uh, uh, or I guess you segue a little bit here. Um, I got a, a message from a, uh, uh, an extension agent, uh, last week. Um, I can't, I won't share this. Like I can't share the pictures or anything. Cause it's kind of like in the middle of something, but basically here's the story, um, from the agent. It says, Hey all, I just got a super inter- interesting Friday sample. A man had recently purchased, um, a, a, a canned food product to open it and find nothing but a mass of what looks like to be a well-canned rodent. Uh, he called the company and they were very nice to offer him a coupon, LOL. Um, he came by to show it to me to see what I thought. Uh, wanted me to follow up if I found out anything of attached pictures. And the picture is there were no, it, it was a, um, I won't call out the product or, or anything like that. Cause there might be a lawsuit involved in this. Um, but it was, I mean, a mouse that was the entire can product. There was nothing else in it. Um, and how does something like this happens? Uh, I mean, I think it happens, right? Like, um, there, there are quality assurance folks to make sure that it doesn't happen. There are lots of things in place, but, um, mice are around food processing centers. And if you make, um, uh, I, I don't know, like millions and millions of products over over a year, like this company does, um, to have one in a million uh, cans that that a, a mouse ends up in through your processing doesn't doesn't super surprise me. Um, so um, so anyway, foreign objects happen in foods. That's my message. Yeah, and and you know, there's a whole workshop that um, that the grocery manufacturers, well, now known as GMA, has on this. Um, and obviously, the f- company's first response is to give you free stuff. Um, the second yeah. is is 
if you if you sue them, um, you know, and there are people out there that will you know put a, a, a mouse in a can um, and then try to you know sue you. And there's there's all sorts of things that companies can do to keep from being subject to frivolous lawsuits. Like you can determine, okay, was that mouse that was found in that can um, did it actually go through a retort process, right? right, or, right. or did some is somebody trying to, to 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 put one over on you, right? And so and of course companies have to do their you know now I'm shilling for big can here, but um, <laughs> Sorry, Max. But, um, you know, companies have to protect themselves from frivolous lawsuits. And so if there's uh, – but, but again, if, if, if the company really did screw up, then the person, you know, should should be able to take action. And, again, friend of the uh, pod, uh, cast, and uh, guest, uh, Bill Marler, who wants us to come stay at his house in Seattle, um, uh, is, uh, you know, is, is out there to represent people that have – you know that have legitimate and not not frivolous lawsuits, and Bill's really good about screening people that have that he th- you know cases he thinks he can win and get something of value for them. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and uh, you know not without doing the um, the testing on this thing because that's not something that I do. I looked at this mouse and it looks like it was it went through the retort process. Right. It, yeah. Like it, this is not a uh, not not just like a white mouse that you bought at the pet store and dropped in it and be like oh look at this cute little mouse. This thing looks it looks like it was pretty cooked. Um, cool. We're, uh, we're, what else, what else we got? What else do you want to do? There's, I mean, there's other stuff, like you said, I don't think we'll get to all the feedback and we'll, um, we, we may use some of this feedback to start our IAFP, uh, uh, conversation, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, but what, what, anything else you want to, anything else, uh, tickles your fancy as, a, as, a uh, as as weirdly my grandmother would say, it's probably an odd. Like now that I say that, it's it's kind of an odd thing uh, that she would ask that. Well, and let uh, me and let me and let me say, you know, for those of you who are who are listening for the high quality audio, oh um, yeah, that my yes. dogs my dogs are in the background um, barking at other dogs, and so you know, if if that if you tune in because of the high quality audio, you should probably find a different podcast to listen to. Um, yeah, so um, so here's here's a message um, uh, from uh, Deep Crimson, a frequent frequent uh, commenter, um, uh, who sent us a link on oysters. And let me click through the link, um, which says, "Oh, myth busting! What time of year is it safe to eat oysters?" Ben, do you have a thought on what time of year it is safe to eat oysters? <laughs> I I think it's. Um it, it 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 is risky to eat raw oysters in any month that appears in a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I got let, let me tell you, I got into some some heated argument with a food safety specialist uh, in the Northeast, uh, maybe ten ten years, eight or ten years ago, about a, uh, a food safety info sheet that I said like. Um, you know, this is a myth that that months that end in R um, are are good months to eat oysters from a food safety standpoint. So don't worry about them. It's really like you know, it's depend. It depends, and it's complicated. Is this is one of them? Um, there are certain parts of the world where in those cooler months, you're less likely to have uh, vibrio growth and in in raw oysters or raw raw shellfish. That's that that that's that's a um, uh, a well-referenced, uh, um, statement. The issue is, um, I, I don't, I don't always know where my, my oysters are coming from. And really that's a Vibrio issue. 
uh, I, I think the risk of norovirus and hepatitis A, different pathogens, uh, you know, compared to Vibrio from a consequence standpoint, but uh, the the risk, regardless of of month, is is there if there's if there's some sort of um, sewage or, or human waste source. So so I've I've been really uh, you know, in fact I, I did an interview um, yesterday uh, with NBC News that'll air sometime in the next few weeks where where the individual the you know the journalist asked me about um, what foods don't I eat? And this, the, one of them is, is raw, raw oysters or, or raw shellfish from, uh, because of the, because of that. And it's, and Vibrio is, Vibrio is bad. I can take care of Vibrio by, uh, by cooking it. And, and I, um, I, I might've shared this on a podcast, but I did a expert witness, um, case, uh, recently where an individual died from, from Vibrio and reading the, like, pages and pages of medical, um, uh, uh, medical information on this individual. And it, it just sounded like a terrible illness, um, that this person died from. I, it turned me off of oysters, raw oysters. So what, what time of year would you eat oysters? I'd eat cooked oysters any time of year, Don, by the way. Well, I, I don't eat raw oysters cause I don't like them. I think they're disgusting and yeah, cooked, cooked oysters. I'm not a, I'm not a big oyster fan. I'm a more of a scallop man. I'm a Des Moines, I'm a Des Moines, simple Sierra country, Moines. simple country Des Moines scallop man. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I like fish. Uh, I like scallops. Uh, I like, uh, I don't really, uh, crab is not my thing. Um, lobster is not my thing and, and oyster is really not, not my thing. So. Yeah, so that's that's. I will say, and and I, this was in response to um, the the listener who emailed. Um, at the time, I was handling a manuscript uh, which is now uh, published uh, in in the raw form, uh, and it has the wonderful title of "Operational In Situ Prediction and Forecast Models for Vibrio Perimeliticus in the Chesapeake Bay are attainable and can benefit from including lagged water quality measurements." So, Ooh, I like that. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, what they're trying to do is model um, uh, Vibrio risk based on uh, you know salinity and other information, water temperature, et cetera. And uh, as it turns out, Ben, I don't know if you know this. Uh, it depends, and it's complicated. Um, right, but, right, right. But but you can you can certainly take a look at this model. Um, I'm looking for something that very quickly shows um, the the month uh, situation. Well, but well, you look. Yeah, yeah, well, you look I, I for that. I don't. I don't see it. So uh, there's not. You know, if if they if they could boil it down to the the R month algorithm, uh, they were not able to do it. So. It wasn't in the abstract. Is what you're saying? <laughs> it would have been. That would have been. Yeah. You, you don't bury that lead. Uh, yeah. So, so here, here's the thing. And I like that. I, I like the fact that the oyster industry is looking for, um, uh, techniques to reduce risk. We're, we're not going to get to zero risk or, or really to me acceptable risk, um, when it comes to, um, uh, acceptable level for me to eat it, uh, uh, it, it, when it comes to raw oysters, um, by, by modeling it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's good for, just reducing public health uh, impacts, which which is a good thing all, all across uh, um, this this area. Um, uh, I I like mussels. Are you, you so you don't you don't like oysters? But are you what, what's your thought on mussels and clams and, the, and those those other bivalves? Um, yeah, mussel. I've had mussels. I'm not really thrilled with them. Um, clams I like when they're fried, but pretty much I like anything when it's fried. So yeah, I don't think you're eating the yeah. frying, not the clam, so much at that point anymore. So yeah. No, not not a not a big fan. It used to go to uh, Prince Edward Island, uh, PEI, as it's known in in Canada. Uh, every every summer when I was growing up, and my family would rent a, a farmhouse. Uh, 
uh, in uh, a couple of different places. Uh, North Rustico, uh, Prince Edward Island was one where, where we, we spent a few summers. Um, and we go to Cavendish Beach and go to uh, uh, a, uh, a fisherman's feast, uh, as it's known. Uh, and I used to eat a lot of mussels uh, at that when I was growing up. And I remember I had a bad muscle. Ooh. And I don't know what that – yeah, like it, it was a like not a foodborne illness muscle, but it had, it had reached a level of spoilage that was like it went down and it came – immediately back up. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm out on my oysters. I'm not eating anymore right now. Um, so yeah. Wow. Uh, um, and then, uh, I ate, uh, last night, uh, I, I had octopus for maybe the first or second time. You ever had an octopus before? You know, this is, this, this, this came up actually. So we, we were just in Ithaca and we had, um, uh, dinner with uh, lovely, uh, Randy Warabo and we went to oh, a place, we yeah, went to a really, a nice place called Mia and, um, we discussed, they, and it's a tapas, it's a, it's a Thai slash Indian slash tapas place. And we got a bunch of tapas and we discussed which tapas we were going to get. And we steered away from the, we, we, oh, we got scallops, Ben. We got scallops. <laughs> scallops. scallops. Um, which are really good. Um, but we talked about getting, uh, uh, squid, uh, and 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 maybe octopus too, but um, yeah, we we decided against it. So there you go. I, I had some. I had some. Uh, took advantage of not having children. Went out to a nice meal last night at a place called Crawford and Son, and uh, had uh, octopus. Uh, something called an octopus chowder, and it was there was octopus, and it was very meaty, um, and it was well like. But, uh, you know, this is one of the, those, like, could I, could I figure out from the texture of the fish had it been well cooked? It was, it was well cooked. Like it wasn't a seared or, it, it, you know, it's got that, that well, well cooked kind of feel. Um, and, uh, the chatter wasn't very chattery, but it was very, very delicious. I, I enjoyed it. So. Okay, um, so so that's yeah. uh, that's Crawford and Son from uh, six eighteen uh, Person Street in North Carolina, yes. and I and I ate at Mia Tapas Bar and Restaurant, uh, which the address is one thirty East State Street, the Commons, Ithaca, New York. So there's our recommendation, our restaurant recommendations for this week. <laughs> You've been listening to Food Safety Talk, and this is the uh, restaurant recommendation. <laughs> oh, and and uh, we didn't get sick, so there you go. Nope, Thumbs up. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> Not through the the window, but yeah, uh, doing well so far. Uh, Dom, we're hitting. We're at we're at one one hour and fifty seven uh, seconds here. What do we, what do we I, got? I think I think that's a show, Ben. I think that's a show. I think it's a show. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks for listening to Food Safety Talk. Uh, come come see us at IAFP. Um, Don, as always, I, I enjoy I enjoy spending time with you. We got to see each other in person. It wasn't weird when we looked each other uh, at each other. We were separated. We weren't allowed to sit beside each other um, uh, last week in, in our meetings, but we were able to sit across from each other, and it was it was great. Um, so I look forward to seeing you in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but but thanks for talking. Uh, making time to talk to me today. Yeah, so, you know, uh, it, it, yeah. It, it, it was fun. And, you know, it, actually the first few minutes of that meeting after you walked in, it was like we were just doing a podcast. We were riffing. We were making jokes. And uh, I think everybody else thought it was a little bit weird. But it just felt like, oh, this is what I do when I see Ben. I, 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 I free associate with whatever's on my mind and we, we make jokes. Right, right. It must drive people crazy. It must, <laughs> it must, be, it must be crazy. I don't know if the beep, is that beeping here or is that, is that your beeping? It might be my beeping and I'm not sure uh, what's causing it. I don't know. I don't know. Could, we could be, I think my fire alarm is going off. I don't know. No. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. That's the show. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. All bye right. bye. Bye bye.
Cool. All um, right. So the next the next show is the live show. The next show is the live show. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm I'm out the next two weeks. All right. And do you, do you, all right. So should we get a, should we get something on the books for after the live show? Yeah, we should. So could we do something the week? The, I mean, this might be a stretch, but could we do something the week after IFP? Because we're going to be in Seattle doing another live show the oh, week after that. She is. Yeah. So why don't we do like a normal show the week of the 29th? Yep. Um, and I'm like relatively wide open. The 30th, I, I basically have nothing going on. The 31st, I have zero. Um, let's, the, let's do the 31st because I'm wide open on that day. Okay, let's do the 31st. Let's do the afternoon of the 31st. Okay, uh, 1 o'clock. Perfect. All right, afternoon 31st, FST. What was this, 185? Uh, this was an even because it's mine. 186, yeah. So that's 187. 187, that's a, you know, look that up in your uh, urban dictionary. Think, is that a prime, 187, is that a prime number? Uh, maybe it's, uh, it's a, uh, from my, uh, hip hop, uh, listening days. Um, it's a, uh, the uh, section one, eight, seven of the California penal code de- <laughs> defines the crime of murder. Uh, and it's right. uh, commonly pronounced uh, separately as a one, eight, seven. All right. One eighty seven is not a prime number. It is divisible by 11 and 17. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a murder. So, uh, one, eight, seven. Fire one eight seven. There was a 1997 film uh, directed by Kevin Reynolds called One Eight Seven. I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, speaking, um, speaking of uh, pop culture things that that are uh, involve murder, um, I I was listening <laughs> to uh, the most recent episode of Chapo, and they closed with uh, the Sublime song. Um, oh, yeah. Um, about um, Papa Cap in. Uh, well, I was just looking at it. Is it um, do it do a one eight seven on a on an M? M- no, it doesn't reference cop? doesn't reference one eight seven, but it does oh. does reference uh, popping a cap in somebody, and I can't remember the name of the song now. And everybody's screaming it now at their at their uh, at their podcast player. Um, you know who's going to definitely know that? So uh, a Santeria, I pop a cap in Sancho, and it's like, Santeria. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, Santeria. Santeria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That which is a great. I mean, I'm. It's I think we talked about Sublime. Sublime before on the podcast. It's a what a great band. I, I don't know idea why I like them as I don't, I mean, it's not the lifestyle, but boy, I just, I just love <laughs> their songs. That's just a great album. <laughs> like, are you, you're saying like uh heroin and ska is not your, that's not your lifestyle. I, <laughs> well, heroin is not ska. I, 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 I look, I listen to a ska song. I, I love sublime. I did not know about sublime really until I was, uh, in my last year or so of high school and, uh, Bradley Noel, who's the lead singer of sublime had already died. Like I, I, they, I wasn't, I wasn't really aware of them, um, until then. And, and, uh, yeah, they sublime is like too, it's like summer music to me. Like if, as soon as it gets warm here and I like put the, the, uh, the, uh, windows down in my car, I'm, I like to listen to sublime. Um, and yeah, there, hey, there's a lot of lyrically, um, I, it's uh, trouble for me to, I have to explain a lot of shit to my stuff to my kids, uh, on it. But, um, but I, I really like their music. Um, and yeah, uh, from Wikipedia, they were quite popular in the United States. Um, but they didn't experience major commercial success until 1996. Huh? Uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah. then that was the same year the lead singer died, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I like, I mean, that was my last year of high school it was 1996. 
Um, so yeah, love I I love Sublime. Uh, they they reformed. I mean, now they're like Sublime with somebody. They've got a new um, a new singer. Um, Sublime with Rome. There we go. So, oh, yeah. So I was going to link to this. So the, the, I didn't realize. I thought I didn't. I thought they were like in Rome or something. But yeah. So I um, the lead singer is really good because I was I was listening. I listened to the original Santeria, and then I was like, just you know, as you do on YouTube, and the 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 one with the lead singer um, live. It's really it's good. Really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Great. Great. Like great voice. I mean, I. Um, you know, soon after I got into them, I, I remember reading a lot. I mean, just kind of a really tragic individual who, um, you know, like, like many artists got, got hooked on heroin and, 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 you know, came out quite a bit in his songs about his dependence on heroin. And then he died from an overdose and damn, um, you know, sad, sad situation. It, you know, it's funny, like talking about kids, we, I listened to this, um, I mentioned the, a podcast a while ago on the history of new music. Um, it's a you know Canadian alternative podcast or alternative music podcast, and so I listen. My kids really like it, um, and and it um, listening to stuff, reliving some of the like early '90s, late '90s music scene with them. Um, Jack was like, "Man, a lot of people like did drugs and overdosed." And I was like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, and, but but you know, like, I guess you get desensitized to it when you when you're a, not around it, but you live through it, and then having a ten year old be like, why are why do people do drugs when they just die from it? I'm like, yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good question. Um, yep. And so, so anyway, yeah, uh, Sublime's Sublime's pretty cool. Yeah. Like so it. so and also, kids don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, especially don't do the, the needle drugs. They're bad. Oh, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Um, all right. Uh, so we're on the books. We're on the books. We got the next three on the books. How great is that? Wow. So, I mean, listeners, uh, July 24th, listen up. July 31st, <laughs> listen up. And then I think it's the 6th, right, that we're doing? August 6th, Tuesday night? Yes. We're doing a live, live podcast. We'll we'll get details. I um, Actually, I, I, why don't we post this? I think I sent you some details. Yes. I can't find it right on my – but we're doing something at a – um, at a, uh, a technical college in like Renton, uh, uh, Washington. Um, we'll, we'll post links in the, or we'll post a link, uh, to it in the, uh, show notes, but, uh, come see us, uh, come, come, come to a live uh, podcast in, uh, in Washington, the Seattle area in, on, uh, August 6th. So yeah, we'll, we'll tweet about it. They'll be on social media and all that good stuff. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, thanks for indulging my, uh, bourbon fueled, uh, discussion. I, I, I definitely sense that it, it got a little looser as I got through my, uh, uh, my multiple, multiple ounces here of bourbon. Uh, I did not get a refill just, just so you know. All right. Well, uh, I, well I, I was uh, powered only by, uh, uh, my my stash uh, tea here, um, and and that's not a euphemism. That is uh, just a the brand of tea that I am drinking, and it's uh, it's it, anyway. Uh, so it's it's good that not because I, I it was just too early for me to start drinking. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, oh, have a bottle of <laughs> a bottle of wine. I'm gonna go have a glass a of bottle wine. of wine. That's that's good. I'm, I'm going gonna, to the pool and I'm gonna drink some beer. I'm gonna have a glass yeah. of wine and I'm gonna try to edit and get this this uh, puppy posted pu- pu- puppy posted. Whoa. Puppy busted, puppy posted. Uh, good. All right. Well, uh, uh, I think I guess that's it. I'll see you. Uh, I'm going on vacation. Uh, I'm sure I'll text you. Uh, but I will see you uh, in person in a couple of weeks. And I will um, 
I will have two two microphones. Please bring your microphone and your uh, and your uh, headphones as well, because we'll try and set up like a three microphone situation um, to get uh, multiple people on our on our podcast. And now I have a full MacBook uh, Pro or no MacBook Air that has two USB Cs, so I know I can run two microphones out of it as opposed to one. So not not that that's a factor for you. No, no, we'll figure good, it out. Good. I, thank you for the reminder about bringing my microphone. Pack it. Pack your microphone. Will do. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.